Welcome to episode 224 of Texing, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and that guy over there, Jason Roberts. Well, good morning to you, Jason. How are you doing with your swanky new iPad keyboard? Yeah, you like this, huh? Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, it's a little, what's it, the Logitech Ultra Ultra Slim keyboard or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, Sandy had gotten me like a, um, what are those, cases? There's like military grade cases for your iPad. Yeah. Yeah. So Sandy got me a, um, one of those cases and I, I, I told her, I'm like, you know, it's not really something I'm probably going to use as much, yeah. but what I really wanted or, or what she noticed that I also wanted, cause I had it on my list of things to buy, uh, on my little notepad was, uh, this keyboard. Yeah. Because I had, I think I mentioned this, a, a, a friend of mine showed me his and I was immediately convinced. And were they with that? Did they have that same one? Yeah. The exact same one. So it's, it's cool because like the way that it folds over the iPad, it makes the iPad look like a little computer. Does yeah. Well, fold, yeah, folds over and it attaches magnetically. Uh, but it, and it also attaches like in a I don't know like a hundred percent way where it just rounds it and makes the other side look like a tiny little laptop thing. Yeah, I mean it doesn't really add any weight. The thing weighs almost nothing. And the back side is the same kind of aluminum, so it looks yeah. you know looks really similar. So yeah, um, I don't know it's cool. I like I it. I like it. Yeah, very nice. I mean, it's not like I I, w- I wouldn't use this. I wouldn't attempt to use this as a laptop. It's only like at night when you want to you want to like knock out a few of those emails, maybe. Yeah. Or, or reply to a couple comments on the blog or something, and uh, you got a few minutes to spare, or it just you have to respond. Then it's like I don't want to go back in the office and do this because you know we're, we're we just had dinner or we're kind of relaxing it in the bedroom. Oh, and but secondly. I don't want to. I don't want to spend fifteen minutes doing one finger hunt and peck with my, you know. Yeah, that's a pain. Out. That's a pain. So, well, why don't you put a link to it in the show notes anyway? This yeah, this this cool thing. Well, Alex, who we're going to have Alex Gimmel, who we're going to have lunch with in a couple hours. Yeah, and we can talk about that. But he sent me a link that he has some awesome new keyboard of the same type. I hope I'm hoping he'll bring his. Yeah, but uh, so are you going to feel? Them. Are you going to feel sick if his is like way better? No. Well, that's fine. I mean, you know, I I think his is pretty expensive. It's like 130 bucks. I don't think this was quite as expensive. It was like 70, 80 bucks or something. Okay, fair enough. And, uh, you know, like it's like a keyboard and it's not like <laughs> I care that much. So finally, we're going to have lunch with the famous Alex Gamble, who uh, we've had on the show twice. Three, three times. Oh, three well, times, yeah. No, we had him one the first time. Yeah. And then I think, well, you had him on... At least one other time. I think we had him on a second time. And the third yeah. time, maybe you had him on with Peter Cooper, right? Was yeah, it? I'm not. Maybe, maybe. Two I'm not or sure. Three. Yeah. Well, anyway, the point is, you guys work together at Elsevier. We work together at Reed Elsevier, and then at another startup called Warrior you know, Okay. A, a social network uh, around knowledge. Which was where in Ireland or England? No, that was in the UK, London. Yeah. I'm a little confused. So you grew up in England, and then you spent a number of years in Ireland, and then you were back in England. Yeah. What was it? What was the time? No, I grew up. I grew up in England, line. and then when I was uh, around 19, uh, my mum moved to America. Right. And I tried to follow her over to America, but I wasn't allowed into the country. Well, did I tell you about that story? Good, probably for good reason. Did but I? let's hear. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's hear. Well, <laughs> let's hear. Let's hear about it. We'll have. Okay. So. Uh, 
she had moved to America and I came over and was interested in living here. But I'd been over on a few vacations for a couple of months. So anyway, she was up in the Seattle area and we went uh, skiing in um, Whistler, which is across the Canadian border. Right. On the way back, being a clueless mum, she goes into the, she goes, we're passing through the Canadian border and she goes into the, the border patrol people and said, what's the, what's the procedure if I want to get my son to live in America? Like, so that's what she says to them. Like right. she inquires at the border. So of course, the next time when I try and get my visa over, they're like, uh, have you ever inquired about living in America? And I'm like, no, right. because I didn't really, you know, remember it right. or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, you did. You inquired at this Canadian border. Sorry, you can't go to America for the next two years. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so then as a result, um, you know, no Amer- I, I didn't go to America, but I was kind of at that age, 19, where I, I did, wanted to make a change from yeah. London. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go to Ireland. So that was where my dad lived. So I just went to go to Ireland to kind of get to know my dad a little better because parents were divorced. Right. And uh, so that was the reason why. How old were you when Ireland. they were divorced? Oh, I guess five. Oh, so you yeah. really spent yeah, really not a lot of time yeah, with them? Yeah, not a lot of time with them, yeah. So then went to, went to Ireland, uh, went on social welfare and learned to play the guitar. Basically played the guitar for eight hours a day every day. Right. So your music career began in Ireland. You weren't doing any of that anymore? I was doing a kind of a le- electronic music in the UK with like Ataris. Uh, like a, you know, remember the old Atari computer? Ataris, right. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. They, they had the, the first music software that I'd ever seen. I think it was called Steinberg Cubase. Was it the Atari ST? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, oh, S- wow. ST one zero two four. Yeah, one zero two four. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a blast from the past. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I didn't have one of those. I wanted one. I coveted them. I had an eight hundred XL. Atari eight hundred XL. So, so you knew a little bit about music when you were in high school. Did you take lessons or do it? No, before? no, 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 no. I never. Nothing. So when like you went that. to the UK. Uh, no, I lived in the UK till I'm, 19. I'm sorry. When you, you were just messing Maybe around 19, with, some little, with some little music software. Yeah, I was just making stuff up with music software. Without yeah, just, any knowledge. Just with MIDI, without any knowledge. Just trying to make, I was trying to be George Michael in those days. Right, well, what English <laughs> boy wasn't, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the girls that were paying attention to him at that time. So then, moving over to Ireland, I, I was kind of in that same frame set, like mental mind frame, m- mind frame but... Mindset, mind frame, frame set. But... In Ireland, at that time, it was all about rock guitars. So I'm like, so huh. So this is 1988? Th- Maybe. No, yeah, not 90. I'm not, I, I can't remember. Yeah, no. it's about 88. I, I'd need to sit here and work it out with a piece of paper. 88, okay, okay, right. So anyway, I'm thinking, okay, I need to learn guitar. So, and I wanted to become a singer-songwriter as well, because that seemed kind of cool, you know? But plus also, I'd, I'd met a girl who was into that. Yeah, well, there you go, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's your motivation. We get down to the, our, for each of us, what is our prime motivation? Well, I met a girl, or there's this girl I wanted to impress, or I knew if I was going to be able to ask that girl, I was going to have to do X. Right. It, it all comes down to that in the end. So... Then I was in Ireland, um, I guess for like 12 or 13 years, until around about 32, 33. uh, So in Ireland, I had this like parallel career of music and tech. So you were doing your band the whole time? Yeah. Or how long were you doing? I was doing doing singer-songwriting and band, yeah. Well, how long were you doing your own music thing before you teamed up with a group of guys and started a band? 
Uh, I probably for like five years actually. So I was I was learning to be a learning guitar and learning to be a singer songwriter till I was about twenty five. So about that time, you at least had some competence. Yeah. in music. I wasn't totally useless. Right. <laughs> but you could sing. Most importantly. Kind, kind of. I, I don't even think I can sing. But anyway, that's a, that's well, a totally you, different issue. <laughs> well, like it's like the, I think singing is like it's like athleticism. It's like you're kind of either born with the basic tools or you're not. And if you have the basic tools, you can fine tune them and learn the skills to become good. You have a natural voice. So it's just a matter of kind of. Maybe. I don't know. It. I don't know. No? Am I making stuff up? I think like, I, like, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think you can kind of pretend to sing. You can. I can't. I mean, like, it's like, <laughs> I'm, I am just singing what you are to as sports. Right, right. Right. Okay. It's like, it's like if, if you saw me try to sing, you would just be like, just please stop. Please stop. Yeah, no, but uh, no, but okay, but now imagine. Let's say I decided I want to wanted to play soccer, and I got this crazy idea in my head. I wanted to play soccer, and I worked at it for the next ten years, right? Then I would become. I would still be. I would sort of look like I could play soccer, kind of like I think that guy can play soccer after ten years. But you know what? He really, he probably can't actually play Not soccer. That, so yeah. that's exactly what it was like with me and singing. Yeah, it'd be interesting taking somebody as an experiment who was not athletically inclined. In right. fact, even have a negative core, not just like average, like <laughs> below average, like one of the last people picked for the team in elementary school for kickball, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Take that guy or that girl and say, okay, we're going to spend 10 years. I don't know why, <laughs> but we're going to do it. <laughs> for this experiment. experiment. You know, and see if we could make you into a respectable competitor. At the, uh, I don't know what level you could take it. You could be okay. It kind of reminds me of a guy who used to live in my, uh, on the, condominiums where we live and he um he was well, he was a writer he was a pretty successful writer and published a number of children's books but he also used to tutor he used to teach and he used and he used to tutor uh math and he said he had this one kid i think he's around 13 or something like that and his parents had you know had set up his tutoring arrangement and he was not very good at math and they really wanted him to be good at algebra. Like that, they were set on, like, he's not good at math. We're going to make him good, and he's going to get A's in algebra. And he worked, this friend of mine worked with this kid a, for, for a long time, you know, like regularly, I mean, multiple times a week, if not every day. And they got him over the hump. <laughs> like he yeah. could actually get an A. But he told, eventually he told the parents, he says, look, we we can do it, but I really, frankly, just don't think it's worth the effort. I mean, it's just way too hard to get him mm-hmm. and keep him at that level. I mean, it was possible. I mean, at least to get an A. I mean, not just be great at math, but you know, it's just it's just exhausting. Oh no, yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. So you take somebody who's naturally inclined, you just kind of have to hint at what they need to be doing, and they figure it out. Well, so two two things. Firstly, uh, we didn't finish the timeline, but secondly, yeah, I want to hear about that. Secondly, you reminded me of the the Khan Academy stuff. I'd never really looked at Khan Academy before, but now I see where it's come from. It's basically, he had a YouTube channel, right? And he, was, he, he had a YouTube channel. He had a Wacom tablet, and he's basically teaching maths. Math, as you say. Math. And um, like, it's, like, it's, it's like watching someone draw on a little chalkboard and teaching himself. And I'm going through that stuff. And you know me, I, like, I don't, you know, no education. I, it was really interesting looking at some of this math stuff. And he was like make, making it understandable, like yeah. what logarithms are, for example. Mm-hmm. Like never had any clue before yeah now i'm like huh that makes sense that, that makes sense it's pretty easy actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah <Anyway. laughs> yeah i remember i want and I, we're gonna get back to your timeline because i want to hear the rest of it. we're just gonna have a a, 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 what's a, it? Tangent. a, version, a tangent on a tangent on a tangent i remember reading this article about this teacher at one of these schools and i, I can't remember the name it was like 
Sunderland or Southland or this where there's like there's this, there's a number of schools under this name where it's sort of like the kids can do anything they want. There's no kind of rules or set curriculum. You know, we're going to teach you this. The kids just kind of explore do what yeah. they want. Um, and it was created. I think a guy in England actually set it up back in the 20s or 30s. And there's a few around, um, particularly up in the northeast, and I think there's some maybe some in the northwest. Anyway, so this one a teacher at one of these schools was writing about how a group of the kids came to him and said, "We want to learn math." And they're like 10, 11, 12 range. And at that point, they were, none of them knew math at all. They really could even do barely do addition. And he's, he, he first was kind of put a little resistance, like, look, you really don't want to learn math, right? Do you? Is someone just telling you? You want to learn? Like, no, no, we really want to learn math. And he's like, okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'll teach you math, but you have to agree that you're really trying. You're going to stick with it. And they're like, we do, we do, we agree, we'll do it. And so, you know, it was like 10 or 15 kids, whatever. And he got one of these math textbooks from like 1910, 1920, when they were, apparently they used to be really good back then. My math huh. professor from high school, I've talked about Steve Segur, used to always, he used to collect old math books because they were so amazing and they were so much harder. Like from the 1880s, 1890s, early 1900s, the math problems, the algebra problems were so much harder than the ones we do now, but they were just so much better. Yeah. And they were also not nearly as, they weren't like 5,000 page tomes, you know, they were a little more condensed. So anyway, he had one of those books and he taught them and it was just a matter of like, a month or four to six weeks and he taught them like all of arithmetic and and um, everything you would learn up through algebra and then even algebra I think or a lot of algebra and it was like in six weeks and he was just amazed because kids wanted to learn and he took them so we're just going to do this and he, and, he, and he was sort of shocked and not only at how quickly they learned it but how well they learned it like they just knew it cold and he he, he told the story to I think he was like one of maybe the administrators for the school. And he said, you know, this is just amazing. I mean, I, how, how is that possible? And, and, the, and, the, and the teacher, I mean, he's a guy who's a much more experienced guy. He goes, he goes, yeah, it's four to six weeks. That's about right. That's about as much material <laughs> is, is in like, you know, elementary school math. Wow. It's yeah. just that they keep going over and over and over and over and inching forward. Yeah. Um, That's nuts. But uh, you know the story between Khan Academy? You know how it started? No, t- I, I don't. So... You know, he's an ex-hedge fund guy, hedge fund manager, or, or worked at a hedge fund as a portfolio manager, or whatever. And he has like a, he has an undergraduate master's from like Harvard and MIT and some kind of like engineering and math. I mean, he's a quantitative guy, he's a bright guy. And I guess his niece, who lived in, I'm think, I think it was Louisiana, Mississippi or Louisiana, um, was struggling with math. And I think it was his sister who talked to him. She said, you know, is there any way that you can help her? I mean, she's really struggling. And she's, you know, 12, 13 kind of range. Yeah. And he's up in New York, I think, working at this hedge fund. And so what he started to do is he worked with her online a little bit. Like they would like screen share a little bit or just talk on the phone and just kind of try and talk through stuff. And then he thought, oh, maybe a little better way is maybe if I record like yeah. a little video. And he started doing that. And then he, then he found a little better way to record the videos, like found a little better tablet, a little yeah. better software. And then he did a few. And then he started helping his nephew, which is her, his niece's younger brother. And it just kept... And, it kind of and he started putting it on YouTube, right? It started growing from there. And I can't remember the transition exactly, but at some point he he thought this is really cool i really want to keep doing this and i'm going to i'm going to take a break from the hedge fund thing i mean i think he you know probably made a lot of money i mean i don't think he was a mega multimillionaire but i'm sure he could take a few years off and not really worry about you know income and just did it and yeah i think it's like something like you know his his glasses or something have had like 3 million views or something like that on youtube yeah you talk about making a dent on the universe right yeah one guy sitting in his closet you know and you, they showed his like his office it was actually it was an office. It was just it was like barely those things that almost looked like a like a glorified closet 
<laughs> you know, a, a clo- it was a closet, but barely a closet. And he just shoved a desk into it. And he's kind of sitting facing into this little hole in the wall. Yeah. And that's where he's recording his video. That's where that's he's recording the videos. Kind of, yeah. It didn't need to be a, f- you always talk about, well, you know, because we'll talk about ideas and you go, well, that sounds like a funded idea or you just need to hire tons of people and you got to get, it's like, no, you don't. I mean, that helps. You could, that's one way to do it. But you can also just get one motivated person yeah. who just cranks it out. And you'd be surprised what you can knock out in six months to a year if you just stay on it. You oh, know, yeah. Number totally. hours a day. So back to the timeline. Okay. Back to the timeline. And then we'll come back to the catalyst discussion about using videos and catalyst. Okay. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Which is also inspired by the Khan Academy thing. Okay. Right. So uh, then like 32 i think it was maybe 32 or 33 because i'd I'd been doing this parallel careers of music and tech and at somewhere along the line i had discovered the internet and started this company with two partners which was called visionet and we created the virtual irish pub and i just started coding and building websites oh so the virtual irish pub wasn't your just only yours you did it with two other guys yeah two other guys yeah but i was basically the coder behind it and that was like how I learned to program. And I've said this before on the show. It was, to, it was just to build a chat script for the Virtual Irish Pub. That was the beginning of my, my coding. So that was kind of like when I was in my probably 23 kind of thing mm-hmm. was when I, when I started to code that way. And just even at that time, I just, I just bought coding books and Googled it and just basically. Wait a minute, wait a minute. 23? No, it'd be f- because the the web didn't even really come there really wasn't an internet until like you know 95 96 Maybe that's when 20. mosaic came out so you would have been in 95 you would have been 26 okay so netscape netscape let's say 25 know, let's say 25, 25 because it was because it was just as um i had discovered internet before mozilla just around that same time oh really ba- basically when people were doing uh oh what was that thing gopher wow Go- gopher was was when i had discovered so i i can you explain the, that? Because most, I'm sure most people don't know what the hell you're talking about. Uh, let me try and remember this. Well, people would use things like Telnet, FTP. I mean, and, Go, Go, and, Gopher was really basically was- like, it was sort of, I, you know what, I can't, you could transfer text documents, basically. Easy. It made it an easy way to transfer tech doc, text documents but it, and other documents, but it didn't really have text formatting in the same way as html did it seemed like a a precursor to uh, html so it was kind of a bridge between the bulletin board system right and the web so so just when mosaic came out when that came out was when the when we started doing the virtual irish pub and if you if you look at the Wayback machine you can see the virtual irish pub and basically the first incarnation of it wasn't even interactive it was just web pages Oh, right. The virtual Irish pub. I mean, the Wayback Machine, we should do that with the yeah. edge system. Remember I told you how we built, and we'll go how we built a web yeah. based, complete online yeah. curriculum with tests and everything. And we could go, we could go look at I that. mean, there was no, there was no JavaScript in the virtual. I mean, there was nothing. The very first version of the virtual Irish pub was a Perl script. Some kid in the US had, had built a Perl script, basically. <clears throat> and all, all this Perl script did was it took form input and then basically stored it in a file and then printed it to a page. And that's pretty much what we do today. If you, even if you're using MongoDB and Node and all kind of fancy, you know, you're still essentially taking some text, sticking on a hard disk, no. putting a battle in the web browser. No, but, no, but all, all this Perl script did was store in that text and then basically on the page reload, it displayed that text and all the other texts that were posted before. So after like four months, the chat page of the Virtual Irish Pub was, you know, like a mile long. <laughs> 
Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so you're like, well, this is really getting slow. Yeah, it's really slow. You're completely unusable. So that was what that was when I. So then I'd like, okay, what's the fastest language in the world? What's the fastest language in the world? And I was like googling or, or and talking to my friends and their other coders, and they said, well, C is the fastest language. C. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this thing in C. So I wrote this C CGI script, and of course now I know. There was no reason to write it in C whatsoever because you're optimizing kind of like the wrong you, you, thing. yeah you're optimizing the wrong thing because it's it's the inter- it's the network transport that's the slow thing it could have been it's Perl. Data. you just needed yeah. to diff the data it could have been to... Perl. it could have been C it could have been any language but anyway Good example for you kids profile <laughs> <laughs> it before you optimize um, so anyway so then I, so for whatever reason then I had to learn about pointers and all that other crazy stuff that you have to with C. You know, so that was where I was at. That. I didn't know you ever knew learn C. That's right. Cool. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to learn about memory management, all that stuff just for a CGI script. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It, yeah. Was su- it was like such the wrong thing to use. That's well, I mean, but it's good, though, because at least made you aware of those things. Yeah. At least yeah. Start people talk about memory management pointers and things. You're, you're not confused. You're uh, like, right. I, I know what you're talking about. But it was a weird it was a weird way to get an introduction to programming. I totally should have just stuck with Perl, but it just seemed so ununderstandable because it was just like it was it just seemed like hieroglyphics pearl did and for all you pearl aficionados out there it's not meant as a slight no 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 because <laughs> I, I i then had learned pearl after that so i then went c and then i went oh you know maybe pearl's okay and then php came along and i'm like wow that's really when, easy. well when when php when i saw the mail function in php i'm like that's it you know yeah. with pearl that was like seven different libraries <laughs> and with php it's just like one line of code you know Right. Yeah. So that was like, okay, I, I like this thing. Yeah. So, so how big did event? Whatever happened to virtual? How big did it grow? And what happened to it? Well, Virtual Pub, um, it grew relatively big. What? So what happened was the chat site uh, stayed up, and some. This was this was just before the internet bubble, right? So it's like ninety nine, mm-hmm. maybe ninety eight. Mm-hmm. when it was relatively big so now it was rewritten in php and it was working and we had a scenario where we had like a virtual currency in the virtual large pub so as people hung out in the virtual large pub they'd make virtual virtual cash mm-hmm. right and you couldn't really use it for anything so your your first go at gamification, gamification. So, you, get, you get your big drinker badge <laughs> <laughs> right right and exactly so then you could use the so what within the chat system of the virtual large pub you could use that virtual currency to buy things uh basically to buy little pictures that I found, like little clip art and stuff. Like there was one clip art of this Irish guy drinking. Uh-huh. And if you wanted to post him to the chat room, you had to pay a hundred bucks. A hundred bucks. Virtual. virtual bucks, right. So you had to spend some, you got to log some hours virtual wires probably right. wanted his cool avatar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's not an avatar. It's just to say it to the room. Yeah, you did have to, you did have to spend cash to buy the avatar as well. Right. But even just to like push into, because remember, the room is not like an instant message. It's an HTML page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you could put pictures into that HTML page. Yeah, it's if you, a forum. If you them. Yeah, it's a forum. But it's a live forum. It was kind of a cross between a forum. It was live. How was it live? Did it refresh? Automatically poll and refresh? Yeah, automatically polled, yeah. So the, the, the first version was just polling to one PHP So script. the whole page refreshed. So the whole page. XHR. Yeah, yeah, the whole page refreshed. The, it, it was subsequently later changed to uh, Ajax, but it used to be just a full page refresh and the bandwidth ended up being massive <laughs> i would imagine <laughs> because every page was downloading like a a 25k <laughs> 25k text file um but anyway those you know that was how many users did you have um i guess there was like kind of a hundred regulars kind of thing you know but lots of people would come in so, so like about the size of a pub 
Yeah, kind of like a pub, right? <laughs> so, so when, when the Twitter Seven Signals is like create your little Italian restaurant on the internet, yeah, you like you created your little Irish pub on the right, internet. right. Like you had done that before there was even a thought of a Thirty Seven Signals. You had your little, but there was a lot more people coming to it. Like if you if you look at the stats, it was it was sort of like a couple of thousand people a month kind of thing. It's too bad that you couldn't like charge like a ten dollar month membership fee to the pub. We to- we to- so what we did was we 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 did that. And basically, the way that people paid us was they mailed in checks. Uh-huh. So basically, by we called them a regular, so they had a little R uh-huh. next to their name, their pub regulars, and they basically paid us a year in advance of uh, like ten bucks a month. So how much were you making at the peak? No, nothing. You, a grand a month? <laughs> nothing. Five hundred I, 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 I don't know. Nothing. Like barely anything. Something like texting donation. Yeah. Level. Yeah. Okay. But so then um, the. A group of people who, I, I don't know how to describe them, uh, Irish businessmen in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm picturing like five guys in suits and, and, and suitcase and uh, briefcases walking into your Basically, apartment. Basically, we, we really like the Virtual Irish Pub. And what we want to do is we have all this cash. We, you know, um, we want to invest this cash in the Virtual Irish Pub. We're going to get a really big team going to hire like 10 people to build this thing out. And our idea is to get it so that people come and spend time in the virtual Irish pub and they select a brand. So they, you know, who am I going to spend time as Coke? Am I going to spend time as Murphy's? Mm -hmm. So you Coke or Guinness or whatever. So you select your brand, you log into the Irish pub, you earn your points under that brand. And then you go to the virtual Irish pub stock exchange and you, you can exchange Murphy's points for Coke points for Guinness points. And you can, you can exchange it for merchandise. So that was that was the big idea, okay. And it was kind of cool, um, but it it just ended up not working out due to the technology didn't quite work out and um, the personality mix didn't quite work out. What was so. you and the, and the Irish businessman? It was there was a, there was an issue there, yeah. What happened? Let's hear it. <laughs> no, well, this is this is the good stuff. <laughs> Come on, you can you can change the names of the of the innocent or um, whatever. So that we don't. I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I think the I, you know what I think probably one of the biggest problems was my ego. Really? Yeah, I think so. Shock. So so basically, <laughs> I think I think that I was quite pivotal in making things happen. Sure. Right. I was a very instrumental key player, but I really held myself in very high esteem mm-hmm. at, that, at that like 25 year old age right and i think that to the point where i probably pissed everyone off and they just didn't want to work with me and they didn't believe that i was that important to the whole project i get it yeah you, you know what i'm saying yeah. so the truth is i kind of probably was mm-hmm. because of the the kind of adjuvant aspects of me of making shit happen aspects of me right um, what would you describe what word did you use adjuvant adjuvant okay. yeah what was the word that you used agitator uh, kind of an agitator. Yeah. yeah. So ad- adjuvants, what they put in, um, yeah, adjuvants, what they put in medicine to make it kind of go yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that same. It's a sort of a, uh, a synonym for catalyst. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Catalyst. So you're. Yeah. So so I think there probably was some aspects of me and my personality, the entrepreneurial aspects of me, just pushing and making stuff happen. They probably were quite good for that situation, but just from a personality clash and an ego clash, I, I think that I, I pissed them off because I felt too highly about how important i was to the project and I, I didn't act as part of a team in a way Yeah, so you you um you hadn't learned the political skills that you developed later on right like you you can still hold yourself on high regard and you can still be pivotal but you just gotta be a little more uh, aware of other people's egos and 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it took that took twenty years to learn that. I swear <laughs> like, to God, like it, it's been the, one of the hardest lessons. Give people opportunity to save face. Give them a space to shine. Make sure that they feel good about themselves. You don't have to like suck in all the sunlight. I mean, you don't become a frontman of a band for nothing, right? Mm-hmm. You know. So anyway, that that was kind of where that ended up. So then, somewhere along there, I then started. I was kind of. I guess pissed off with the way that that was rolling out and, and that they, they were all kind of moving in their own direction and I wasn't really part of it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt I should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I just started working on another, another idea, which was all channels, right. which is basically the human powered search engine. Mahalo. I, basically Mahalo. Yeah. 12 years before Mahalo. Yeah. Pretty much. Remember? Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I guess what well, we can talk about that. We won't pick up all channels. We'll pick up like, the second segment <laughs> the second leg of your anyway journey so that whole thing happened and then i moved back to the uk when i was around about 33 got it okay. because the tech because the bubble burst i didn't get the all channels couldn't go forward so now i was in a situation where i, I the band i was like okay i'm really i'm obviously not going to make it as a musician mm-hmm. right and there's no good tech work here and i was looking online at the at uh job serve or whatever it was mm-hmm. well there was just so much work in london mm-hmm. so i'm like okay i'm gonna go back to london so i went back to london and i had a job straight away yeah you know and that was great hmm. interesting yeah. yeah and for anyone who's the for who for whom this may be unclear you are not in the uk you are currently in pasadena california right and for anyone who's unclear what pasadena california is it's about 10 to 15 minutes north of downtown la Right. Which is in Southern California. So getting back to, <laughs> yes. And for anyone who's unclear about anything, just go and listen to the previous 222 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's okay to do a little catch every once in a while. I mean, I'm sure we've, we probably told the story like a hundred episodes ago, but even people who jumped on like a year ago are like, they're not really, they don't necessarily know the story. Right. I didn't even know some of those, uh, some aspects of the virtual Irish pub story. So, well, did I tell you about meeting Georgie? Yeah, well, I know I that she met you through the virtual Irish. I haven't actually told the full story of that. And it's funny because I was telling that to Matt from Digidoo mm-hmm. and also uh, the other investor in Digidoo. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I can now say that I'm going to be CTO of Oh, Digidoo. which is everything? Well, it's not, it's not legal, but I can say because it's not like anything's, you know, I mean, I've, okay. I've left Uber Media. That, that's done. Okay. I'm going to be working for Digidoo. So just in case this is how you're finding out, this is, I guess this is how everyone's finding out. I'm now going to be CTO of Digidoo. But we actually recorded and had a big discussion about that in episode 222, except we cut it out because of legal reasons, because the negotiations hasn't been finalized, except what I'm going to do is I'm going to put that back in episode 222. Really? You don't want to just talk about it? No, I guess we could just... Because we we totally hashed it out. I saved that version of it. Okay. I'm just going to basically upload the file, right, on top of the 222. Insert it in. And then you guys, if you want to hear that discussion about the the kind of excited... Because it, it... you don't have that discussion twice. Like that was a good, excited discussion that we had. It was like, cool. Mm-hmm. We, we spoke about it for 30 minutes right at the beginning of the show. You want to add that on to the end of the show? Uh, I would do, but I've lost the original file. What I just have is I just have the full edit of the, of the 222. So I'm going to, or look, I think you should cut it out <laughs> and then append it to the end of this show. It's not that easy. Why? It's just audio. Um, it's down audio file, right? Can't you just like, well, what? Why can't people just go and listen to episode 222 on the web? Oh, so you're going to replace the old 22 with yeah. the new 22? Yeah. Huh. I was gonna Can you do it. that? Because that's going to screw up all our stats. No, it, it won't on. screw up the stats in the slightest. It, like, I'm just going to replace the sound file. All right. So basically, as soon as you hear this, 
you will be able to go to texinglive.com, search for episode 222, and in the browser, listen to the first 30 minutes, and then that's it. You will be then fully caught up. And that's just two episodes back, so that's they just probably got it back. on their MP3 player. So if you're at the gym and you want to take a little pause on this and go here, you can... Yeah, but MP3 player, you'll have the old version. Ah, uh, right. You See, just have, that's you what can, I'm saying. I don't you know can only listen is, to it on the web. I'm not sure this is the best solution. I, th- I think you might want to insert it for people. Otherwise, it's going to be kind of... Inconvenient. <sighs> no one's going to know the story. No one's going to know the story. There's a lot of people who are not going to get the full story, and then you're going to be talking about it and starting next week and the week after, and people are not going to get what the hell you're talking about. But it's already mastered and compressed, so then it'll be double mastering and double compressing within this, and it's in MP. Okay, fine. I'll I'll put Figure it something out. Do some uh, do something. Right. It's lower quality audio. Just okay. We, let's stop talking. I'm looking about out it. for our listeners. I'll put it at the end of this show. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. I forgot what we're talking about now. I don't know. Wait. Well, you already told the. Oh, you're going to talk with Georgie and Rich Wires. Oh yeah. Okay. Because this is a good story. So you know about the Virtual Irish Pub now because you just heard us talk about it. all about it. So the Virtual Irish Pub, basically, it didn't work out for these guys either. Like everyone, it just didn't work out for anyone. So I ended up, I said, look, can I have the VIP.ie domain? Mm -hmm. So they they gave me the VIP.ie domain, which is very nice of them. And that's why I've got my email address, jv at VIP.ie. I kept the Virtual Irish Pub running, although now I don't don't even think it is. But it was running for years. And I would go in once every couple of months just to do sysadmin to have a look. So anyway, I don't know, like seven years ago, I'm doing some sysadmin in there and I'm looking and then this cute little icon with a redhead comes up and I'm like, hey, welcome to my bar. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, so you're like the manager of a bar. You just like, there's no bartenders. You just scoot down there, serve her a drink. Hey, sweetheart. (laughs) And she's like, this isn't your bar. What are you talking about? And I'm like, it is my bar. And she's like, no. And I'm like, I, I'm like this is all by text chat. I'm like, you want me to prove it? She's like, yeah, prove it. It's like, okay, I'm going to turn the lights out. No one else will be able to talk to this bar. I'm going to, I'm going to shut this whole server down for a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. So she's like, yeah, all right. So I shut the server down. I pulled the plug, right? So the whole Well, server- you can imagine in real life, like you just like you're a bar and you're like, I'm going to turn the lights off at this point. You guys just sitting there looking at each other in the dark. She's like, Ooh. So I basically. So, you, so really, you were just trying to set the mood. I don't know about that. But anyway, I just I just basically pulled the plug. What did I do? I probably renamed index.php to index2.php or right. something, right? Right. So the whole thing stopped working. So then she's like, oh, well, so oh, it, it is your bar. Oh, wow. So uh, anyway, so then that just enabled us to have a discussion mm-hmm. and um i guess just through flirting with her that way and then we started skyping mm-hmm. and uh, we started talking via skype and then she came to ireland well that's a big jump from skyping to coming to ireland well obviously uh there was like a you know three to six months talking right? okay so a progressively more yeah. frequent yeah. and longer flirt sessions so i never wanted to use dating websites but ironically i kind of i kind of did you like to, you met you met your wife at a bar pretty much Virtual bar. Which is very appropriate for you. Uh, I always say the best, like all the best things that I've got in my life came to me through the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and the best thing I got from my first startup was a wife. <laughs> That's the virtual right. Yeah. Now I mostly get hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay. So... I guess we need to... Talk- Let's talk about Catalyst a little bit. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I feel yeah. like that's kind of a meat of the show kind of thing. Okay. Let's, the, yes. We have all kind of other little things we can talk about. So, uh, regarding Catalyst, okay. so do you want me to say, or do you, or you want to say? No, we go ahead. Let's, let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, basically, what I was going to say is that it's frustrating because these kids aren't learning stuff. And the last, the last 
uh, lesson we had was quite frustrating because I, we just keep on teaching the same stuff again and again. Well, explain, explain why. I think you need to clarify. It's not well, that they're not learning. Why don't you say? You say. Okay, so one thing that we've been doing is we keep uh, uh, allowing new kids to jump in. So, which is a problem because you have kids completely different levels. So imagine you have a karate class, karate school, and people jump in three months later, and you have to start over and show them how to do how to do a, their basic stance. Other bunch. I mean, you, the other kids can't sit there and and, and be paid a lot of attention. To that. I mean, you always go over your basics, but they need to move on and do other stuff. But you can't have these new kids come in doing roundhouse kicks. <laughs> yeah, know, they don't even know. They don't even barely know how to tie their belt or do a stance, right? So it's like it's 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 frustrating. So what we've been doing is one of us. And it's tended to be you the last couple of times will go and take the newbies and be like, okay, this, this is, is variables. This, this is, is variables. This is what a variable is. This, this is, is the computer program. This is a function. Like basically the same thing again and again. I've said it like seven or eight times now. Yeah. And it's boring for you. Um, it's boring for you. And it's also bad for the rest of the class because what's happening is we need the two of us to help out all the other kids. And part of the reason is, what we've done over the past month or so is created, uh, or you know, I said created a series of challenges that mm-hmm. are based on, you know, functions and uh, returns and if else and arrays and stuff like, like that. incrementally harder challenges. So, for example, one challenge is the challenge is halve it. Write a function that will halve any number you pass to it. Write a function that determines whether a variable, uh, a, a variable pressed as a parameter is odd or even. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, so anyway, um, since all the kids are doing these challenges and they're on different challenges, they're struggling with different things. Some kids don't know what the modulo operator is. By the way, the, the challenges are automated. So the kids type in the functions and they click run and the, the program in the back end will tell them whether they've written the function correctly or not. Actually, it's not even the back end. It's the front end. A web worker does. It runs in a web worker. Oh, great. It runs okay, locally. Cool. Nice. But the point is they're all doing different challenges, right? Some are doing stuff on arrays, some are doing a loop, some are doing on EFLs, control stru- yeah. structures, things like that. And so you have like four or five kids at any given time who are like, I'm confused. This isn't working, you know? And if there's two of us, or especially if there's three of us, especially if we had like CJ helping us out, which we, he's not because he's up in San Francisco, or if we had we had Manny one week or Kevin one week with three of us, you know, it's like one per table almost, you can, you can kind of do it, right? But when you're, we don't have anyone else helping out, and you're and you're fully absorbed with with instructing the two new kids, then it's just me for the remaining ten, and they're all at different levels. You know, half of them at any given point are like, I'm confused, or this is broken. So the first thing you're saying is that you said to me is you think we should stop taking new kids and we should try and get everyone onto the same track. And that was I, just one idea. I that's had. that's well, one. Hyper- let me just sort of flesh yeah, it out, yeah. and then you go on because I because I think you're, I like your idea. My idea was like, okay, so maybe what we do is every class has a theme. Okay, today, guys, we're going to do for loops. Yeah. Okay. And you give like a ten quick ten minute description. Even kids that kind of know it. Okay, it's ten minutes of just talking about what how for loop works, and then they go and do challenges. And the kids that already know it can knock out two or three challenges like nothing, right? And if they get more advanced, we'll have like I'll have, I'll have like you know them progressively harder so that they can kind of. Actually, I have a couple challenging ones. And then, well, the kids who are new to it are, well, we'll just do the easier ones. And then if they finish, if the kids who are really advanced, really quick, finish the more advanced ones, they can then uh, work on our own personal project, which we've been talking about doing a text adventure game. And I was thinking I could get them started on that and they can save and stuff. I still think that could work. I think, this, I think that's a, a viable hypothesis, but I do really like what you're doing. We could end up coming up with some kind of hybrid at some point of doing that. But well, I want well, you had a different, let's hear your My theory. hypothesis is 
thinking about object theory and which is what joining basically how you group things together right so um you know like a bicycle has wheels and pedals and thing and that's a bicycle right so i'm thinking that the lesson the lesson and and the um what do you call it the challenge challenges so basically the teaching the teaching and the challenges should be combined within the interface and we should use videos to basically combine those two things so that the kids can wherever they are they basically have me or they have you there available to explain it to them. So there's, so, a, two, so there's a video of a two, three minute explanation yeah. of for loops as opposed to you going, okay, you're confused. Let me go up to the board again yeah, and yeah. do another explanation of for loops. Yeah. So, so basically do exactly what we've been doing because it's been working. We've been teaching the kids, but scale it, scale it via video so that we don't actually have to be there in person. We can just record it once and then that can like, and then all the different kids can be at their different levels, but they'll have different versions of me and you teaching them those things via the video. And so then looking at the way that the Khan Academy stuff's done on YouTube, I was like, okay, that is it. Because I remember when, uh, with, with the Khan Academy stuff, the way it's done on the YouTube, he just has a black screen, he uses a Wacom tablet, and he just writes the numbers and the stuff on screen and he teaches. So all you've got is the information on the screen and his voice teaching you. And I think that's very awesome. Because remember you told me uh, about writing a blog post and I wrote a few different tangents. Mm-hmm. And you said, get rid of all the tangents. Just focus on the, your one argument. Fight one battle. Right. So what I'm thinking is, this: if, if we're in the picture, there's a picture of us, that's not actually needed. Like, all is needed is the content and the lesson. So that's why I think it should just be like that Khan Academy. I think that's why it works so well. It's yeah, no, that's distilled. fine. Well, you, you know, you, you and I were first talking about the idea of using your camera. You had a green screen. Yeah. And we were going to uh, record it. And then I was like, well, we need decent lighting and need decent yeah. audio. And it, we could do it. I'm just, 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 just it. I, it's possible because we, we may have access. You may have a talker's way and get a little access to um, Idea Lab, one of the conference rooms. But also, Sandy, you know, she's currently, you know, president of the Pasadena Junior League. They yeah. have a headquarters, which is one of these big old houses that has, and they have a room with a whiteboard. So if we could always do that. But I think I don't think it scales. I don't think it scales. Well, it's just more work. It's like yeah, it's like. But for example, all we, all you or I need is a mic and a Wacom tablet, and then we can start creating awesome lessons and just record and do. You do it on your own. You You do it on your own. Just like just like the other day, I created fifteen challenges in about an hour. Right. I just sat there. I didn't have to like you and I have to get through there, coordinate, spend three hours. Okay, now we're gonna do all this stuff and. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think the video idea is a good one. I, I like that idea. I mean, I, we've we've been talking about this idea of putting the content online um, so that anyone can do this. Yeah. And the kids, there are a number of kids, I think, who would like to do this at home, mm-hmm. you know, and do more of it. Um, in fact, even yesterday, Colby came up to me and he's like, it was, it was kind of surprising, it was right before dinner, I'm right, right before bedtime. Like nine o'clock at night, and he's like, and I, I went in the office real quick because I need to send you an email to schedule today's podcast. Yeah. And he sat down and he said, my laptop is also on my desk next to my desktop computer. And he's like, he's like, yeah, Dad, can you do this on? I want to do a, I want to do a challenge. Huh. I was like, oh, that's cool, you know. Um, so by having the videos and stuff online, that means the kids, if they can, can go at whatever speed they want, they can, if they need a refreshing, fresher on material, they can go back. Um. You know, so with the challenges and ultimately hope we'll have multiple choice questions as all as an additional sort of reinforcement tool that will go along with each video. And you so and it'll be better because a lot of people have been asking, even not in the comments, just can they do this, you know, in their part of the world. Right. Yeah, we just don't have it just hasn't been ready yet. Right. But with this, yeah, people like 
dads and moms will be able to work with their kids and the whole thing will be there. So it'll be the, the tutorial and it'll be the tests and just all the other kind of the ancillary challenges. stuff. Yeah, and the challenges. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's... I think that's a really good idea. And it, it also then has some, you know, some business potential, you know? I mean, I'm, that's yeah. not uh, a primary motivator here, but... No, it's, it's, it's... Well, anytime you want something to scale, uh, you have, you've, you've, you know, revenue is a great way to make things scale. I mean, some things scale just out of people's goodwill or interest like open source software and Wikipedia, but those are um, exceptional, you know, things that, things that are able to generate some kind of revenue so people can compensate for the time have a way of keeping people's interest when things get tough or they have other things impinging or pulling at them, pulling at their time. So are we done? Are we done with that? Well, um, let me see here. I wanted to just say, well, okay. So when are we going to, um, you, when you order the tablet, when is it coming in? It's coming in. I, I think it's going to be here maybe Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So we won't have any videos. We're not for this, not for this week, but for the week after. Okay. Yeah. So maybe what we'll do is we'll do my version of, we'll just kind of cover something, a little intro and get people kind of on something. Yeah. Well, why don't you teach this class? Like you, you do the main teaching. Yeah. Well, I don't I'll take a break. Teacher. That's fine. You be the helper. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. And we, we really need, Sandy keeps telling me, she's like, we really need some interns or yeah. helpers. We need some more CJs. I'm going to intern like, you know, but just if there's anybody who lives in the area who thinks this sounds kind of cool, we could really use your help. I think um, Kevin Regan, who came two weeks ago, said he's going to try and make it this yeah. this time. Um, even if we just have people randomly show up at times, like Manny, mm -hmm. just having an, an adult who has some knowledge of programming, yeah, it's or helpful. teaching, or teaching, it's helpful. Like so, one of the dads there, he's an astrophysicist. His son Liam, um, it's his second time, second or third time, and. He sat down, he was with him the whole time, and, and Liam was killing it. Liam's about fifth, fifth grade, I think. Yeah. And partially he was doing, not only was he bright and motivated, but his dad is right there. I mean, all the kids are really bright. It's just a matter yeah. of, do they have somebody sitting next to them so when they get stuck or start to lose focus? Actually, th this last lesson was interesting because we had two moms with the two new kids. Yeah. And the moms, so I was actually teaching... The kids and the moms. They had to because they just, it was their first time there. So the parents wanted to kind of sit. They, they didn't know whether they should leave their kid or come back or they just want to stay there and check it out. So they just sat there next to their kid. Right. So the moms were getting it just as much as the kids. And they, and they were saying to the kid, they were saying, look, they, no, no, that's a variable. This is what a function looks like. And so it was really cool. It was good. Did, they, did, they, did the moms like it? Did yeah, they, they did. Yeah. That was really funny. That was interesting. Yeah. So... I don't know. The, the one bad part really bummed me out, and that's why I really want to make sure we solve this problem, is that um, one of our uh, kids, Chloe, who's like 10 or 11 or so, um, she came, this is her second time, she came last time, and it was the first time, and she did great. And part of the reason she did great is she was, was a few new kids, and I kind of was working with all of them, or maybe the kids weren't new, but they were unfamiliar with the material. And so I, I was re-explaining just like how you were. I was kind of starting from scratch. And then I was kind of, I was spending, I was making a point to spend some time with her to get her up to speed. And she did great. She loved it, had a ton of fun. And this time she came in her dad's a, um, a chemist at JPL. And, but he doesn't know how to code, right? And I was, because we had a technical problems again, which, I, so the first half hour was me solving a technical problem, which is always puts things off on a really bad foot. And then the second part, we had the two new kids. So we have a technical problem, so nobody can log in, or most of the kids can't log in, and then you're absorbed with teaching the two new kids. So we're off to a really bad start. Um, the, 
And then when we got things going, I'm jumping back and forth, making sure everybody's logged in and everything's worked out. And then Chloe's sitting with the dad and they're just kind of, and they're logged in, but they don't really know what to do. They're a little confused. They're stuck. And I wasn't as responsive as I could have been. Maybe I really, there was only one of me. I really couldn't have been a whole lot more responsive. Otherwise I would have just been neglecting the other kids. And I would have been sitting there confused and frustrated. So, um, then about half, so I did, I did go over there and I helped him out. And he's like, so is there going to be any more like instructional stuff? I said, well, right now I said, everybody's just kind of working at their own pace on the challenges. And then I hope we help them out as we go along. And about 15 minutes after that, I saw them walking out the door. And I was like, oh no. And so I said, I said, Hey, you guys leaving? He's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, we'll have to think about it a little. Yeah. And he just really wouldn't express himself, but he was just frustrated. And I knew it was the fault that there wasn't enough instruction or guidance, you know, whether it be a video or direct instruction or whatever. And it was also a symptom of the, of the technical problems in the new kids, everything together was like a perfect storm of things that just made it difficult. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, it's just frustrating because I thought Chloe is an ideal candidate. She really liked it. I really want to make sure we have enough girls in there because I don't want any new girls to come. They see one girl or two girls and they're like, eh, this is kind of a boy thing. Yeah. Which kids do, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how Colby crazy he'd want to join, but he'd be about joining something that was like 90% girls, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I, I want to get this licked and get it. And I think your idea of the videos is good one to be scalable. Videos would be better than text because kids, kids don't, aren't going to read a lot of text. I don't even know if they're c- really capable of learning a whole lot at this age by reading text. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I mean, adults have a hard time reading textbooks and learning on their own, much less an eight through 10 or 11, even if they're bright. Well, there's another, there's another side benefit of, um, of, the, of the video approach because each kid has headphones. Mm-hmm. So actually it kind of locks them in a little bit into that zone yeah. and stops them from talking to their other parent, their, their you know, partner kid. Mm-hmm. So actually it's good in the sense that it gets them focused, but they still can communicate with other people in the class. But it just focuses them a little bit more with the headphones. Yeah, really good. I think yeah. it's a good idea. I'm really, I'm excited yeah. about it. So we'll get on that. Um, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else to do with Catalyst. But I, I solved the technical problem. It was just a, it was an authentication issue, and um, yeah, on the API, and I got that solved. So I had to like run. I, I looked at the uh, Chris, I think his name. He's the he's the um, the astrophysicist who was there. Yeah. And I said, I said, I got to run back to my place. It's literally on the same block. Don't tell Justin. <laughs> he turns around because he's going to be pissed that I live him again. <laughs> I said, but I'll be back before he notices. Yeah, you were. I didn't notice you. I think I even told, I didn't interrupt you, but I just, I, I, I was in back in like eight minutes, I think was the time. Frame. I didn't notice. Yeah. But why do you have to do that? Why can't you just bring it, bring in your environment so that you can just do it right there? Like- because I need, I, I keep not spending the 15 minutes to get um, everything set up on my laptop. You know, I've just 15. been, I knew I need to spend the 15, but I've just been, you know, it's one of the, one of the side effects of doing as many things that I do is, is I, so there's always a few things that I just wish I had a little more time for. Okay. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, as I've said in the show, it's like doing as much as I do has a lot of benefits for me, you know, um, but it doesn't mean that there aren't. And a lot of disadvantages costs. for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, <laughs> now you're going to do a podcast. Now, now we're going to do two podcasts a week because we're going to do it. Now that, you have to teach and it, it catalyst um we were talking about what would be really good would be to get someone to qa it to qa yeah. the, the thing can we ask for so, like someone a listener to do that yeah if you're if you'd be interested in qaing some of this stuff uh, send me an email and um 
or send us an email to pod, te- podcast at texting. Yeah, po- podcast at tech podcast at texting because the the Catalyst Club happens on Tuesdays, and what we need is on a Monday night for someone to QA it and go through it and or make someone's sure, few people more yeah few much. people to go through and make sure stuff work works because so far for the last four weeks in a row stuff has broken and jason's had to leave leave and go and fix it so if, if there was people qaing it would be huge because then they could email you and then you could get it fixed on the tuesday yeah it's, it's way more painful when you're in person in a class and things don't work than if like you load it up and somebody replies back and says something's broken on the site right because they're not stuck there in the class and the reason working. why it breaks is because you tinker with it during the week yeah i just yeah i mean well like last week i was up in san francisco Right. I didn't get back until, you know, Saturday and then Saturday, Sunday, I'm trying to get caught up with their stuff and they got kids stuff. I mean, and, and then I have to build this. I mean, you know, there's so much to do. We're doing a podcast. I mean, everybody. all right. So are we done with, with that? Yeah, I think we're like, done with Catalyst. Okay. I've got something to bring up. Um, postal picks, the startup postal picks. Remember you introduced me to Michael Sarlett. Right. So, and then just a background on that. So I don't know what it was six, eight months ago. <clears throat> my, um, my buddy, Pat Maddox, um, asked me if I wanted to, uh, do an open office hours with them at the co-working space called Coloft, I think it is. So they're what, in Santa Monica? In Santa Monica. So it's a big co-working space, really cool place. And what we would do is we would sit there for like eight hours. And every hour, another startup would come in and they would have a list of questions for us. So it's kind of like a CTO advice, like, you know, do this. You need to hire someone to do that. Don't worry about this. Use this code. You know, just that kind of stuff, strategic with some you know, and so Michael Sarlett was one of the guys who came in. He was one of like th- a few that I th- that I thought were real. I mean, they're, they're all of them had promising. Most of them are promising. There were a couple that I thought were not really viable ideas, but um, his was like legit. I mean, they were making revenue. They had real company. Yeah. Real he was a nice guy. In fact, uh, at toward dinner, um, Pat and I went out and grabbed a slice of pizza with him down on Third Street. So I knew him, and and and, and he had emailed me. He, I think he had. This was about the same time I was. I was looking for work, and uh, I got that the media job, and I got also the. the no, actually, it was about the time of the Digidoo when I got the Digidoo. It was job. right before then, all right? Because yeah. you were still you had. Even, I was looking for work. You right, were looking for, for work, yeah. and uh, and the, one of the big things with Postal Picks is they were. They, he had been talking to some development house that had done some work for him, and they were recommending they change everything over to um, a whole new programming back. language and back yeah. end and i said you know i would not do that i think it's yeah. a really bad idea i think i think you need to just sort of migrate this stuff so anyway I, I went out and met him because you'd introduced me to him and just with the possibility of us working together and i just gave him my feedback and said look that's a really bad idea don't <laughs> don't redo that whole second opinion says yeah. that's a bad idea yeah just just you know just tweak your code base because basically he had this one code base and um what what, what postal picks does is it's an it's an iPhone and Android app, but at, at that time it was just an iPhone app that allows you to print out your pictures in the real world. So you can print them out as pictures. You can print them onto like metal badges. You can print them onto cups and mouse mats and all sorts of things mm-hmm. within their app. And you you pay for it, right? So you mm-hmm. pay for it and you click a button and boom, you've got that stuff coming through to you in the mail. So it's kind of cool. And um, at that time, the back end just worked with the iPhone, and I. And he was like, look, we've been told by these developers that we should rewrite this whole thing so that it works with iPhone and Android. And I'm like, dude, it's just like, a, it's just an API. I mean, that API can work with Android. Like, just keep that like it is and just abstract it, right? Yeah. Just do some abstraction. So anyway, so he was like, grateful grateful to get that advice. 
And uh, they moved forward. They built the Android app. And um, he had just sent me an email saying he would like me to, you know, he would be really interested in talking to me about working with that company as a CTO or a CTO level kind of guy mm-hmm. and doing, but also, you know, co- doing some code. I said, look, man, I'm, I'm sorry because I've just taken this role with Digidoo um, as CTO, but mm-hmm. you know what? I've got a podcast and I've got a couple of thousand tech listeners and I bet there's some people there who might like to be CTO of a company that's fully bootstrapped, making some actual cash. Yeah, real revenue. You know, real revenue. I mean, I really like Not this. like the $500 a month. Like yeah. I'm, I have revenue, like actually right. I can... Actual proper Real. proper revenue, yeah. So so uh, so Michael's basically built this thing up. Now I don't know if it's actually CTO specifically, but it's that kind of a level, kind of a role that, that he's looking for. Well, um, well, any of these things when you start out and it's a handful of people, I mean, CTO is yeah. kind of an overstatement. I mean, you'd be the primary developer, but you're growing, so eventually, then you have a few people underneath you. You know, your so we. This isn't part of the whole jobs. I mean, we're not being paid no. for this. I mean, but I'm just. This is just because I think this could be interesting to to one or more of our listeners. So. I'll tell you some other things that he said. So basically CTO level or close, uh, PHP MySQL, uh, obviously wants someone who comes from that background. Uh, some native mobile experience preferred, but it's not you know absolutely necessary. But if you've got something like that, that'd be really useful. Um, the ability to manage other programs would be re- other programmers would be awesome. Um, excellent communication skills, and that's very important for him. Um, and basically and experience and interest in building public APIs and developer platforms. So he's kind of interested in, uh, I think, scaling it out so that other people mm-hmm. can can build apps based on the back of that API. So um, someone someone who's also got experience with agile and lean development and uh, an interest in photography is a plus because right. it's all about photography. So right. I think that's nice. So just send, a, send an email to uh, michael at postalpix.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L at postalpix.com pix is p-i-x p-i-x yeah yeah he's a really nice guy yeah i like michael a lot um just say you heard you know you heard of on texting and you think you might be interested in it and uh don't and, we say yeah yeah and just send him your resume and you know you may have a, a cool gig you know and I, i'm sure it could be a remote gig as well yeah hmm, yeah that was cool. It's another one of those luck surface area things you know that's when yeah. i went to that thing and, and it didn't really play out for me specifically but at the end it was another opportunity for you Right, right. <laughs> you, you keep making, you're making a living off my luck service area. <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you do? And all that stuff. <laughs> well, I, I've just had to be a lot of times where, um, because I talk to so many people and I do so much stuff, I just can, things come at me and then I can offer them to other people because I obviously cannot do everything, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I'll say, well, here's an, here's, I know a smart guy who can do that or I know a guy who's an expert in that. So, yeah. All right. You ready for the next one? I've got another one if you want. I got a ton of stuff. Am I going to get to talk here? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is this is the JV show, right? The payback's a bitch. Okay, I saw this on Hacker News, which is basically uh, meet a Shenzhen maker, Mister Chen. Did you see that? I I remember the title. I didn't read it. Like more than ever, I really get this maker thing. I'm I'm actually excited about it. Like this 3D printing thing okay. is going to be huge. Okay. It's going to be huge. Yeah. Just people like solo industry people building awesome stuff. Yeah. And I'm thinking just give it another two years and I'm going to be able to make Swarm, the, my board game. Like such a, I'm going to be able to make an amazing version like of this. Figurines. Print and it out. Do the figures. Like print out some little kind of aluminium style board. Like exactly like I want. Yeah. So like right now, I think the... Um, 3D printing is at the level of equivalent of like back when we had these like dot, mag, dot, matrix, dot matrix printers back in the yeah, 80s. Yeah. 
it's like it works. And for certain things, it's great printing out your paper for school, you know, it's yeah. great for that. Um, but it eventually will get to the point where, you know, laser printing actually got, where it's extremely fast, yeah. extremely high resolution, color, full duplex, all those sorts of things. And it's just a matter of time, and the time isn't going to be that long because it's uh, it's improving so rapidly. Yeah, rapid. it's exponentially improving. Yeah, so, it's amazing. You know, I think the first, I mean, the hobbyists will play with it, but I also think like laboratories and industry where they need to replace parts or they just need stuff quickly. Like, oh, we, we need this extra part. We can either order it, and it's going to cost us $1,500, and it'll take a week here, or we can actually just print this thing out in, uh, in half an hour. Well, it's also, but see, he's not even just doing 3D printing. I mean, basically... He's built. He's got a uh, what's it called a, a, a pick and place machine to build circuit boards and stuff. Oh, cool! Right. So he he in his in his little apartment, he's basically has an the equivalent of Foxconn. He's like wow. Foxconn, right? So he printed the circuit boards. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does what? that, right? That's what's so amazing, you know. And that is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. Okay, well, I have re- I need to read this and put this on like the show. Yeah, and and so you, th- this guy gets commissioned to like build circuit board and like build one off i don't know like washing machine circuit boards or I'd whatever love to get this guy in the show yeah. does he speak english i don't know i don't know but um but i just think that we're, we're like we're moving to a point where you can buy these i guess they've shrunk down in du- industrial size machines so that it, this is like a place and a pick and place machine and mm-hmm. then you've got other little robotic machines and you've got 3d printers so you will be able to create a studio that like in blade runner that guy who creates the eyes, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it'll, you'll, that's that's the kind of thing that it's going to be, right? Well, it's like, um, <laughs> well, that's exactly why all this Arduino and microelectronics yeah. is important. And that's why I'm interested in electronics because um, in, in, in robotics, because enough robots are going to build three, C, three CPO <laughs> or R2-D2, but you can build things that can automate things in the real world for you. You know, you can build little robots on a table controlling arms, controlling things they can do stuff, they can use, like, for instance, an article that I was going to bring up, so it's, it's a good segue, is these um, 3D printing of, uh, of life, of cells and stuff like yeah. that. There's a, a guy who uh, has his created an instructable that they take, he takes an inkjet printer and use an Arduino and some, and some conversion boards and stuff, but makes it so it can print like E. coli and all these kinds of stuff. Printing you, life using, but and it's a destructible. It's not like you have to go sp- buy uh, a two thousand dollar or ten thousand dollar, fifty thousand dollar piece of machinery. Yeah, it's like you can go and, and I'm like that would be a fun thing but to do with Colby. It's strange that, like for example, in Star Wars, remember like the opening scene or one of the opening scenes, you go in and you see the the dad or whatever, and he's tinkering around with robots. Oh, actually, it was, it was it was Luke Skywalker. Remember he? Yeah. He, he remember he went out. He's, he's pissed at his dad because he wanted to go away to like the, some academy, and, and so he's sitting there with the trying to fix the robots so they're the making guy. the tech right mm-hmm. that's actually what is going to happen and and, th- and this reading this article uh meet meet a shenzhen maker mr chen like the light bulb went off in my head i'm like holy shit this is actually really going to happen like this really is going to happen we are going to be I- industry is going to be shrunken down into individual people they're going to be full fully blown factories that is awesome you know, it's really it's interesting you, that you bring that up too, because another article I wanted to discuss. Um, I don't have it off the top of my hand. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But um, there was a story, an AP story that came out a couple of days ago about how um, all the jobs that were lost in the Great Recession of two thousand eight, you know, which was primarily caused by the um, the financial crisis, the mortgage bubble, and all that. Um, 
I think less than half of those have come back, hmm. even though, so it's like jobless recovery. And the reason is largely automation. Hmm. That more and more jobs are being automated out of existence. More and more job classes, classes of job, more and more industries are just gone because it's all being automated with computers and apps and, you know, the web, yeah. and everything else. You know, you know, things like, you know, travel agents, that class of Job oh yeah, gone. yeah, gone. Right, and, and they were getting, listing out lots of examples. I'm but sure. So what? So are you gonna? Are you gonna say those jobs are gonna be replaced by home industry? I, well, the solution is like I, you know, in the past when industries were were um, sort of destroyed by some new technological innovation, that jobs came back in another area, people retrained and retooled, and that's that's always the common sort of um, you know inspirational thing to say to people say look okay I, I understand that your factory job is gone but now you get to go back and you can learn this other stuff but the question is at some point it's not just low-end you know repetitive hard labor jobs or things it becomes actually middle class jobs that have any kind of repetition in them i mean because you think of all the jobs that are out there when you see people doing it, you're like i could automate that Mm-hmm. I got to make that. Yeah. I got to make that. I mean, so I, much. I remember when I was brought in in man, 2000, there was a company called Peter Securities in Chicago, and they they took a third of the order flow from E-Trade. And they, uh, so E-Trade, when you put your order into E-Trade to buy or sell something, it would like, w- several different firms would go and either take the other side of it immediately and then go and then trade out of it. Yeah. Whatever. So that's like, they would take the order flow is what that's, is how that's described. And they had a group of seven guys who process, who dealt with all those trades. Each one had like a hundred different stocks that they would deal with, and they would process the order flow. And I was brought in to write code to just replace their, all their jobs. Yeah, no, that's that's. I like, mean, in, in the in the the way they were trying to sell it to them, so that these guys would cooperate me cooperate and give them some information about how what they did, what they did, is that well, you guys will be able to do more interesting types of trading, which is possibly true. Probably true, but not necessarily true. They well, may just be. Flat it's out like Plugio replaces a social media manager, kind of thing, right? Yeah. But if you consider this whole thing we're talking about, um, it's kind of history repeating itself. Like, think about when computers first started, like the big, huge, big buildings, right? That they were, and they gradually shrunk down to now, where an iPhone is, you know, more powerful than the first massive computers, yeah, right? Right. So history repeating itself is uh, factories of these large, massive buildings with you know all these people. Now they're shrinking down to become the new iFactory. Yeah, iFactory. <laughs> That's good. I like that. TM. <laughs> iFactory. Yes, I like that. Trademark, Justin. Uh, we'll, we'll put that on the podcast. Let me title the podcast. iFactory. Okay. I like that. Um Absolutely. I think that's where it's going to go. I mean, whether it's here in five years or 15 years, yeah. just like, you know, we're talking about wh- when are self-driving cars uh, you know, Google self-driving car is going to become something not that we just see occasionally on a CNN special that, but it's actually like you go and you order an Uber and like a, a, a driverless car pulls up. Yeah. I mean, is that like two years away or is it mm, five? Okay. It's pretty damn close. I think. Yeah. I think it's somewhere five. in that two to five or I think yeah. there, I'd say three to five years you might be able to get. And I think Uber, I, I mean, I have no knowledge of this. I, in fact, I was the one who suggested this to the chain and went up the chain to, to Travis that that would should be a something that Uber tries to make happen. priority yeah because it would be such a um it would be such a great way for people to get out and test it out right it's not like you have to go oh there's a driver car dealership down in Orange County let's drive down there and t-. no just go to any city that has these and you go to New York or San Francisco one of the major cities and uh, just order up and say you can because just like right now you can select do I want to 
town car, an SUV, um, an Uber acts as like a Prius. Yeah. You know, or a taxi. You know, you can order any kind with the phone. It's like, I want a driverless car. <laughs> that might be four to five times as much because everybody else wants one too. <laughs> but I mean, it'd be, it'd be great. It's like, oh, we're taking a family trip to San Francisco. Let's order a driverless SUV. I don't know. How awesome would that it's, be? It's still kind of scary. I, and it probably shouldn't be. It's no, probably it's, safer than it is. A, a, a real driver. But it would be a great experience. Man, the kids would just be freaking out. It would be a great story for Christmas. Everybody would be like, yeah, family did a driverless car. And yeah. that's that, that yeah. So anyway, um, but so the question is, how soon does this stuff roll out? This is always kind of hard to predict, but I think it's coming out. Okay, so... I've taken up most of the show. So go on, you got you got anything to bring up? Well, on the topic, speaking of the future, like Tesla. Yeah. Tesla. Have you noticed that keeps going up? No, I haven't. It was up at like um <laughs> Have you doubled your money yet? No, but uh it's gone up. I think my average my volume weighted average, I bought it at three different prices, you know, it's probably like thirty two, thirty one dollars. Yeah. Well like thirty one dollars. It's like a this is a thirty seven and a half. But again, where is it now? Thirty-seven and a half. It was. It's, it's just about thirty-seven dollars. I think. I've, I'm telling you, I should buy some of that. Well, I don't, well so what are you in for a thousand? No, I'm closer to six thousand. You got six thousand worth of Tesla. Yeah. Wow, you are really you're betting. I want to quit. Put I'm you're keep betting putting, big. Yeah, I want to get. I want to get in maybe ten thousand before too much longer because it's going to keep going up, and I, I want to wait for it to drop just a little bit, just to grab wow. a little edge. But like I said, I, I'm putting money where my mouth is. I think. I think Tesla's going to so in five years time that ten thousand is gonna be a hundred thousand and you were just talking about like well who cares that's no money i'm like i that makes that would make difference to me <laughs> i guess you know it's not like you know nothing or 10 million and nothing else in between matters you know i, I hope you win with this i really do i think well, you will i think it's a um well it doesn't have to be me it's like you know it's free it's for they're taking people to space now they're doing space tourism as well tesla yeah no, no not tesla SpaceX. Uh, spacex yeah. yeah yeah well anyway I, like i said i Tesla could easily be down to $25 right now. I'm not betting like what's going to happen on Tesla in three months or six months time. Yeah, yeah. I'm really like what's going to ha- what's Tesla going to be in, in 10 to 15 years. That's that's my time horizon for this. Mm. So I just want to get 10 or I mean. I'm just gra- glad that you have a spare 10 grand. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, put it this way. I mean, that's in our uh, IRA. Oh, right? right. So it's not right. like I'm just like, you know, putting random free money it's like well when you put money in your ira you got to put it somewhere you can you know a lot of people just put it in a mutual fund or something and i'm like you know i'll put it in tesla i'll okay. I'll, I'll, I'll i will bet on tesla over the market any day of the week <laughs> now again you got to diversify so you can't like over invest because anything can happen in any given company and you can lose everything so you never want to do that but yeah. I mean, just i mean i'm willing to like say i'll put most of my investment capital for the first year or so until i have more into tesla did you see that article this is only slightly related but it was a a guy who was talking about working with steve jobs on imovie did you see that Mm -hmm. i read that i thought that was just really nice and i can imagine steve jobs being like that just basically that too long didn't read is that he was just a product guy he was obsessed with being a product guy he really wanted to develop products and in fact the reason why I wanted to be CEO was so that no one could say to him, you can't develop products. <laughs> right, you can't work on this product or you can't develop products, right? I can do whatever I want. And what I want to do is I want to have I a want lot to of do what I want to do, right? So, so they just had like weekly meetings where they would iterate that product. But he, they, he also had this whole secrecy thing, this big secrecy paranoia thing. So even when they were developing iMovie, no one in Apple apart from this team of four people knew that they were developing iMovie. They had they put paper up on all the internal <laughs> windows 
and it was called like tax division. Yeah. And they, and they wrote in pen on the pen tax division and it was right near the accounting department or something. Right. So everybody sort of assumed it was just some really boring yeah. tax accounting. Group. But that's fine. So even secret internally, like yeah. he was really a paranoid guy. Well, you know, um, my, uh, my buddies uh, up at uh, Headlands Tech, which is the um, high-frequency trading shop in yeah. San Francisco, we, we talked to James Thomas. Uh, we interviewed him a while back on the show. He's the, um, he's the director of quantitative research there. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Ken, who you know, is one of their uh, star quant researchers. Yeah. And uh, they... The individual quant researchers don't know what the other ones are doing. The only one who knows what they're all what they're doing is James. Huh? They don't sit around in a group. Are go, you well, allowed to even say that on the show? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. But he, he talked about that on the show. Oh, okay, fair enough, You yeah. know, it's just that you know because you don't have leakage of knowledge. Like one right. of those guys decides, eh, I want to go and move to New York and work with this other firm where I'm going to get some better deal. And so I know all the best ideas and all the best strategies and how they work and how much edge and what the sharp ratio is and everything. And I'm just going to take it to the firm. Hmm. And it's kind of a zero sum game. So you can't take that risk. So the best you have is a one guy is working on one strategy or category but of strategies. That, if he leaves. The, the one thing that doesn't make sense about that is that when you sign up to these companies, you have a one year non-compete clause anyway. Well, okay. That's true. First of all, non-competes don't really hold up in California for one. Hmm. They hold up a little better in Illinois, but uh, even still, you know, what do you know? How do you know what people are doing? Yeah. I you know, there's some yeah. behind closed doors somewhere. You don't really know if they're working, where they're, where they're working or who they're talking to. They can just That's disappear. True. Who they had a conversation with, you know, just disappears into the ether. And which is, so it's important. They gotta put up firewalls between. But the, the main thing is that I got from the article was it gave me a nicer vision of Steve Jobs being just this kind of kid in a candy shop, you know, who just wanted to create stuff. And that's what I liked about it. Yeah. Well, he won. Yeah, he has absolutely. He just loved creating products and iterating and stuff. Absolutely. So, um, Fringe is over. I was going to say, do you, do you, have you been watching Fringe the whole time? Oh, yeah. 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 I, the, we, you don't know, know, so we won't do any spoilers. Someone has to worry. But you know, you know, did you look on the Wikipedia page and see the numbers? Like they, they started off at like 10 million viewership mm-hmm. and they've gradually been going down in a very kind of, very, very. Uh, Where would they finish it? Like seven or no, something? two million. Really? Yeah, like two million. Oh, that's too two, bad. Two point six million, and it was like a very consistent downward spiral over the seasons. Mm. So, so it was really surprising that they got to close the show out. Five years. But, yeah. Well, no, it was. It, it should have really been. I mean, if it was like a normal show, it would have been axed. But I guess because it was J.J. Abrams or whatever, or maybe the the cast or or the the fans really saying, "Look, please finish this out. Please, please finish this out." Yeah. But it was surprising that it that they actually got to wrap it up properly. It was surprising because the figures were so low compared to. It's too bad. Yeah. I really like that show. It was really. Um, you like you liked it as much up to the end, did you? Um, I don't know if I liked the last season as much as I liked. Um, the earlier seasons, I think three and four. Like the last season was so emotional. Like they just, it was just all about the emotion and the love between family, them and yeah. the family. Yeah. 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 I, I see what you're saying. I, I, I agree. And, um, but I still really liked it. <laughs> yeah. One thing I want to read out, there was one quote in here, which I love. And I'll explain um, the context just a little bit. I'm not going to give any, anything away really. But the last season is just about what's called the invaders. They're, think of them as the ob- like, observers. Yeah, yeah. But we don't have to talk too much about it because I want to give one. But just think of them as extremely emotionless and extremely brilliant. So kind of like super Vulcans. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. And they're taking over everything. And so 
Olivia Dunham, who's the protagonist, or one of the two protagonists, is um, she is speaking, she's having a conversation with this woman who's sort of mystical, spiritual beliefs, and she has sort of a gift of seeing in people's future, things like that, right? Kind of yeah. those kind of people. And she's saying this, she's kind of goes on this thing about, you know, I can feel your daughter still with you and all this stuff. And Olivia's just kind of like, what, you know, what are you even talking about? And so Livy goes, you know, and basically Livy's saying, I, I don't, what you're saying is silly. You know, she goes, people make up explanations, assign meanings to things without knowing because it's reassuring, it's comforting. But I can't do that because I know too much. It's all just numbers. And the invaders, as you call them, they're just better at math than we are. Right. Which is pretty intense. Yeah. But what the really interesting thing is the power of knowledge and in particularly of math, math being at the core of all science and technology. They're just better at math than we are. And if you're, they're better at math than us, they're going to kick our ass ultimately. <laughs> and it's like, why was there, why, why, why was the, um, how were the English able to, at Bletchley Park, able to crack the Enigma code? They're better at math because Turing was better at math. How was it that the U.S. was able to create the nuclear bomb? You know, her physicists, because we were just better at math. We had people who we were better, better at math. We were better at math. Well, well, actually, to be honest, we got a lot of German people. Yeah, we well. got the best Germans, yeah. <laughs> but our group of people, our group of people, were was better. better at math. Yeah, right. You know, physics, math, computation. You know, von Neumann and Feynman and Bohr and Fermi and all those guys. They're just better at math. Wow. And it's like such an important thing. So I was having a, a lunch last week with Eric Dreyer, who's a director of STEM education for the Pasadena Education Foundation. Hmm. So they are kind of like a, they sit in between like the, the education, the district, the Pasadena, all the schools, and, and they're also external. So they, they kind of sit in between, they create programs that they take to the schools. And, and I want to talk a little bit more about that. So we're having um, lunch and I told him that quote. I'm like, you got to see this one part <laughs> because it's like explaining to kids why you want to know math you know it's not like you just want to know how to to, to find you know the area in a, in a circle or something like that like you know so you can pass a test like you understand the power that it is and i one thing i was thinking is like you know they always you know they, they they'll have teachers in school go math is fun and they'll have like some middle-aged woman teacher who's this frumpy old woman who's teaching math she goes math is fun you know with a smiley face and that's supposed to get these high school kids enthusiastic about doing pre-calculus or something. It doesn't work. Because you look at her and she's like, I don't want to be like her. She's lame. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the last person I want to be like, right? It's like you almost need to show in some way it's like these these people who are extremely brilliant and the power that it ultimately means. And it, it kind of reminds me of like in certain movies, like you remember John Travolta in Phenomenon? Right, I think I right, do. where he's just talking to scientists and he's like, you know, let's be specific, Dave, because Dave's trying to ask him questions and he like answers everything really quick. He's like, bam, 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 or like house, you know, house. Or some of my favorite examples are in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, when he's guys like, so why do you want to take a job at the NSA? He's like, huh, I'll give it a shot, and he just goes on this huge diatribe. Like, man, that guy's smart, right? <laughs> or, or like, and uh, my, another of my favorites is um, Limitless. The guys care. I mean, he just he's like, I'll just own you. Yeah. There's no circuit, there's no there's uh, no scenario in which I just won't own you. Like I'm so much smarter, I know so much more. There's no nothing to do about it. And it's like like I don't care how big or strong or rich or whatever, it's like if when you have that kind of brilliance, you know, at that level, it's like there's 
There's no competition. So we need a, we need a, an advertising campaign around that. Well, you know, it's like, you know, when they because when they show the guy or the girl or whatever who's brilliant, they always make them kind of socially diminished, right? They're yeah. not cool. They're not well, cool. They, you don't want to be geeks. them. They're not cool. You don't. I mean, even if they're geeks, they're kind of like a friendly guys. Like, oh, I like them. I don't really want to be him. Right. right. They want to be James Bond or uh, Indiana Jones or whatever. I mean, you want to be like that. You don't want to be like, you know, in the show Numbers? Who was the cool guy? Yeah. The cool guy was the FBI agent. Yeah. His nerdy brother, who you liked, was the brilliant mathematician. So why don't, why don't they do a show where basically you have someone who's you want to be, but who's also brilliant? Brilliant. I don't know. They don't do a whole lot. That's why I, I'm almost exhausting the list. You might be able to do like Val Kilmer and Real Genius. Right? I mean, I guess Fringe was a little bit like that, but... but yeah, because Peter was supposedly Peter, brilliant. Yeah, he was pretty brilliant, yeah. Peter was brilliant, which was cool. But Although he didn't... He called himself... Uh, I saw him intervie- interviewed, and he said, uh, he said, I play the smartest dumb guy in the world. Because <laughs> 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 he keeps on making just dumb decisions, but he's really smart. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, that's one thing I always frustrated him. He didn't, he didn't play brilliant like some of these other characters played. They because they were so brilliant that they would just dominate right. intellectually in a one. No, he didn't do that. Like he, House, if you go watch House, yeah, he's a perfect example. He just dominates these other surgeons and stuff who are all obviously extremely bright. He just dominates. Would you like to be like House? Sure, why not? <laughs> who would want a you know a three hundred IQ or whatever? Right. But I, I just think you gotta you gotta sell that. You have to somehow you have to you gotta use examples of that. Yeah. And. uh Anyway, so t- speaking of uh, the the <laughs> what? I'm just laughing at you. Just that that's a thing. You know, you want that thing. You want people to sell the intelligence that way. That's well. Funny. I just think I'm just think if you, I'm just saying if you want it to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want it to work, you can't just say math is fun and have that work. Just just show, don't tell. That like we're doing with Catalyst, right? Show, don't tell. Show, don't tell as much as possible. Okay. Mostly show, little tell. Anyway, you're going to move on. Go on, go for it. So I had. Um, I had lunch with. I, first, I met Eric the week before. They're, they were doing a uh, the his group. He has a group of like six or seven people who create the curriculum. Um, mm-hmm. Some of these some of these innovative new math and science curriculums, and uh, they were doing an information session um, for parents of kids who were in the gifted program. And uh, so I, and since Colby's one of those kids, I went over and um, sat around listening. They were talking about the robotics. Currently have that. So in a few different schools, a couple of middle schools and high schools, they're doing some different robotics classes with the Mindstorms. And they're doing using Robot C. They're not using the graphical stuff, which is what I've been pushing for, using the real language. I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so we were talking, and um, he's uh, well, one of the things that was interesting, and, and this is how we got a lot of new kids recently, is they the, the parents were frustrated because these classes were only limited to certain grades at certain schools and what about kids that you know that my kid is in band and the only time that they have the robotics is in band so either they have to choose between band and robots is you know or my kid is did the seventh grade or an eighth grade but now he's in high school they don't have anything and so he's trying to field these questions and trying to figure out like well it's a solution and the parents like well what if we parents got together and they did something after school or whatever (laughs) and so then i kind of like raised my hand slowly i'm like um (laughs) catalyst we have this thing called catalyst and it turned out natalie's mom so she was there oh yeah and i said you know so she's daughter natalie's in it and so we do kids and so i that's where i sort of did a little one minute quick impromptu description of catalyst and that's when like every parent basically came up to me and gave me their phone number that's cool yeah really interested so um 
and then I was talking to Eric after, you know, towards the end of it, and he, one, a couple things they've done, they've created the App Academy, what do you call the App Academy at uh, Muir High School, just down the street. Mm-hmm. So they do two years of pure web development, HTML, PHP, I think Ruby. That's uh, cool. How old are these kids? MySQL. Uh, 15, 14, 15, Nice, 16. nice. Yeah, 14, yeah, in that range. And then the second two years is mobile development. Oh, uh, nice. Apple Android. They're doing all real stuff. There's uh, 30 kids in the program so far. That's great. And uh, they have another thing in another school. So they're doing all this stuff. And so, and I, I started describing Catalyst to them. I said, well, so we're ta- our kids are even younger, right? Like our kids are eight through like 12. Well, yeah, so our kids are really young, but when we're also learning real programming and, you know, it's not like baby programming or whatever, it's it's legit. I mean, learning JavaScript. And and I said, you know, it might seem a little crazy. He's like, he's kind of not, he's like, yeah, but it's my kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I could tell this guy was really bright. Yeah. He wasn't like a guy you'd expect who'd be in, sort of embedded in some kind of bureaucracy as like a, you know, who, who can give lip service to things and say, well, we're working on a plan and we're going to try and do a pilot thing, like really pushing. Like their, their idea for the App Academy happened in March and they started in August. Like it just went live. Yeah. And he said in that lunch, so we had, we had lunch this week. We scheduled lunch and, and um, he said that, um, that they had the idea for it in March. It went live in August and they said they went around and looked everywhere for um, curriculum that they could use and nothing. There was mm-hmm. nothing that was any good. Everything... You know, he's like, everything was just old stuff dressed up new, but it was nothing innovative, nothing that really worked. He said, so we had to invent the curriculum and kind of like what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, like, everyone accuses me of like not invented here, use this, use that. And it's like, dude, I look at everything and I always, I always give everything a fair shot, but there's always, things always seem to have fatal flaws. Mm-hmm. They fundamentally suck. They, at a superficial level, they look really neat <coughs> and cool, but then when you actually try and use it or actually look a little deeper, you're like, this is not going to work. Yeah. And I can give you five reasons why this is not going to work right now. And uh, he's like, yeah, that's exactly what he found. So he's a really bright guy. Like he um, he uh, was studying physics at Caltech. And then I think he graduated great economics and then went on and did some work in, in sort of economic research in some different areas. And then he decided he wanted to make an impact on the world. And so he went and started, you know, volunteering for this. I guess this is a guy who's like a... Um, who's trying to revamp education in LA and he's like this Harvard MBA guy is doing this stuff. And then mm-hmm. when a Caltech guy emails you and says, Hey, I want to volunteer. They're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so he ultimately found himself down the path. So now he's, he runs this Pasadena education foundation, this director of uh, STEM STEM for everyone who doesn't know is um, science, technology, engineering, and math. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so he's pushing on it. So, we had this great conversation, right? Talking about how stuff is broken and ways to make things, build things and scale and everything. So I was thinking maybe we at some point we wanted to get him on the show. Oh, that sounds good. Really cool guy. Really bright, really interesting. It was just inspiring that someone is kind of in the system trying to change it that way. Why don't you bring him on the show like this, like a live, like a live show rather than just on Skype? We could do that. Yeah. He's just down the street. I mean, he lives right yeah. in the area. You know, do and, that. and, and, um, yeah, so, so, and he's, whereas, like, we're completely outside the system. We can reinvent it. We can't, we don't have anybody's resources we can leverage. So, we're completely on our own. We can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to ask anyone's permission or get approval or any of that BS. They're kind of in the middle because they bring money to the district. They create their own programs because they have corporate partnerships and a nonprofit. But they can create these curriculums and just find, there's always going to be teachers in these schools who want to do the really cool stuff. Like, yeah, I'll teach robotics. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And they go, okay, we'll train you up and we'll get this thing going. And so they're holding a big 
expo thing. It's like a one-day kind of hackathon robot competition over at Pasadena City College, which is just down the street right next to Caltech. And he said he'd give us as many rooms as we want to be there. So if we wanted to do like Catalyst, a few different sessions of Catalyst for new kids, um, if we wanted to do robotics, if we, whatever we want to do, it's in, uh, it's going to think June 1st. Oh, cool. And because I was talking about the Upverter guys after the show, I was talking with. So um, we'll have some videos by then. We'll have, we'll oh, have that whole thing sorted. We'll have a lot of stuff sorted out. Yeah. And so if we wanted to go down there and, and kind of do workshops, teach class throughout the day, who knows, have programming competition, we could come up with different things. He's like, I can give you as many rooms as you want. Yeah. And I said, and I, I after the show interview with Zach on, from Upverter, I was talking to Zach about maybe arranging some kind of a hackathon, hardware hackathon that the Upverter guys would help do. Yeah. And I said, I'll talk to um, uh, Eric Dreyer and maybe we can get something up going here. And Eric was like, yeah, that would be huge, you know. And so maybe we could get those guys down for a day and actual like some tutorials and stuff on and then a, and then a hackathon or, or some kind of workshops with building Hacking hardware. Yeah. Using up hardware awesome. and stuff. That sounds awesome. So anyway, this is like a potential to do something really cool. Yeah. Oh, so that, that sounds really cool. But again, it's like that whole luck surface area thing we talk over. I, I made an effort to go and spend an hour and a half at this information thing. Yeah. And I went and talked to the guy and I said, hey, let's grab lunch. And so we grab lunch. And, uh, you know. It's crazy how we're both into the whole education thing now. Like... I don't know how that happened. Well, that was just luck for you. I mean, yeah, because you know, Digidoo came to you, and it, was, it could have been anything. I guess we haven't really. Digidoo basically is an education play where we're um, taking tablets and software into the school and uh, teaching kids that way. So basically, it's an in-class education play, which is kind of different to most education plays. Yeah. So that, and, and I'll describe it as an outsider. So Justin wrote this platform. Is it all HTML5? HTML5, yeah. And it's delivered over tablets. You you give them the tablets. You have the whole class of tablets. Yeah. And the curriculum is designed by some expert teachers. They design some really top-notch stuff. And it's a combination of videos and pictures and videos and 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 questions. Yeah, basically, yeah, questions. Everything. And the teacher can just facilitate it as opposed to teaching. And and apparently kids love it. Yeah, they really like it. Really engaged. And we didn't, I I brought that up in like, uh, there was an article about a couple months ago about how some some schools are um, experimenting with having computer-driven education, having teachers facilitate it, as opposed to a teacher trying to create the curriculum, yeah, and yeah. teach everything, and the kids are just sitting there staring it's, around. It's the kids, it's, yeah, it's teachers facilitating the curriculum, yeah. Because kids want to do stuff. They don't want to sit around and wait. But that's what, it's just weird. I mean, it's just like life has just brought this whole, you know, we've, we're doing the whole catalyst thing, you know, and that's mm-hmm. just all about teaching kids. And then Digidoo is, once again, like 10 to 15-year-olds is what it's really aimed at. And now I'm earning a living at doing that and Catalyst is turning it to something. I don't know. It's just weird. It's just yeah. weird that it happened that, that way. luck. You know, yeah. Just how things rolled. Hey, I wanted to show you this. I don't know whether you'd seen this, but um, Sarah's been working on AnyFoo, the spreadsheet. Wow. And uh, we already have, look at all these experts that we can go and check out. Nice. So that's where you she's go, at. girl. Yep. That's awesome. where she's at. So how many hours has that been so far to get that? Uh, I don't, I think she's probably maybe three hours so far. That's it? Yeah. See, that's why it's so good to just pay people. Yeah. <laughs> Because she's happy to do it. And we're yeah. happy to pay her, right? She li- she literally sent me an email saying, "I like you know, I I'm enjoying this so much. I didn't even notice the time go by." <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of research. Yeah. It's kind of like you know, just yeah, that's really cool. That's but it's fantastic. good as well because she's she likes the uh, autonomy aspect, the fact that she has the kind of control to go. Hmm, I think that person's quite good. Yeah, yeah, let's put him on the list. You know, do you think? Yeah. Have you looked at experts? Does she seem like she kind of gets it? 
Like, I, she, I think she, she gets it. Yeah. She understands the kind yeah. of experts we want. Yeah, she does. So because she's put, she's putting in the note, she's saying like maybe this guy's too big, but I put I put him in I put him in there anyway. So because right. I, I gave her the rules, right? We like the ideal person we want is someone who's written a book, mm-hmm. someone who is a consultant, mm-hmm. and someone who just has a good web presence. They generally look good. The kind of fringe cases that we don't probably want are people who look like they're a millionaire. Like they so already look like they're too successful already. Yeah. You know, there's not a very easy way to contact them. They're just kind of more pushed back. Yeah. So she see, she she gets it. Yeah, she gets it. Awesome. So the, 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 the strategy is, just to reiterate, is you are paying her to find uh, – 300 experts. So 100, we want, ultimately get 100 experts. We want three, roughly three candidates per slot. Yeah, per slot, yeah. And based on that, then you're going to hire somebody else to do the contacting of the experts and facilitating ring them on. Yep. And so my theory is that that is really going to work. At least this part is going to work. So you probably can pay someone to do the second part. And if that works, then it may end up costing you five grand. I think it's going to cost a lot less, personally. That's that's just my thing. I mean, I think I'm going to. So you've uh, you you kind of you kind of Tom Sawyer this, uh, you know, the Tom Sawyer gets ready to paint the fence for him, right? <laughs> you know, which is fine. Like I said, I don't care how you get a hundred experts. I don't yeah. care if you if, I don't care if you twitch your nose and a hundred disappear out of nowhere. I mean, maybe it's going to be five grand. I mean, we we were what we were saying we were putting up ten grand, weren't we? We were saying well five each anyway. So it's going it would cost you five grand at least. Either way, yeah. But that was just assuming that that even worked anyway, that this might work better. Yeah, but the great news is, is that now you don't feel stressed because you see stuff's happening I'm and excited. I'm not doing anything. It makes me excited. So, that's, so that's, once, How awesome is that? Yeah, it is. Well, because once... What's that? <laughs> Georgie, like? said, Georgie said, Jason doesn't understand you, Justin. You are the king of delegation. She doesn't understand how good you are at getting other people to do work for you. <laughs> but he'll understand that now. That's great. No, I, hey, look, I, I don't resent it or have any problem with it. I, like I said before, I don't care how you get them as long as it's ethical and legit and they're high quality people. Works for me. Yeah. You know, it totally works for me. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of interesting you bring up the delegation stuff. Yeah. So I've been working on, uh, I did a little work on my secret project. By the way, we should bring the show to a close pretty soon. Wow. Because we've done, we've done like one thirty, but we've also got another half an hour to append to the end of the show. Yeah. But I got a couple things I need to talk about real quick. Um, let me, let me talk about this part. Okay. All right. So, um, this is the delegation thing. Yeah. 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 So, um, uh, so I'm working on the secret project. Yeah. And I'm probably going to, I'm trying to launch soon. Okay. Soon measured in, you know, a few weeks or less. (laughs) Very soon. (laughs) That's the ballpark. The reason why I'm laughing, the reason why I'm laughing is because Jason probably will launch in a few weeks, but every time we've ever said that, it's been like a year. (laughs) Okay. Say double that and then double it again and then multiply it by 10. Anyway. Anyway. So anyway. Um, one of the services that I'm trying, that I wanted to use is there's some tra- transactional email, yeah. a transactional email element to it. Right. Um, and so I always use Mailgun, you know, which is kind of like SendGrid or Elastic. I love Mailgun. Yeah. Mailgun. And I, I ran into a number of problems with the DNS stuff. So if you want to send email and you want it to come across and say from Plugio and not from Mailgun or not sent via Mailgun, but just this is from Plugio. It looks very legit. And, 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 and Is this about the delegation stuff? Yes, I'm going to get to that. Okay, yeah. So I was blocking on that because the Mailgun guys didn't know what the problem was. 
And then I was, my domain was hosted at Moniker, which is like one of these domain, you know, like a name cheaper yeah. cover or whatever. And they, they have like a free DNS service. You can set up your zone files. Uh, so I set up the A records and C name records and MX yeah. records and stuff. And I went over it. I, sh- I went over customer support with the Moniker people. They thought it looked right. I showed it with the, um, I ran it by the, um, the mailgun guy. He was like, yeah, it looks good to me. I, I don't know what's going on. And I was just like, well, what the hell am I going to do? It just doesn't work. It's not resolving. Yeah. Right? And so I could, because you, when you do a dig on those records, it was not returning any information. <sighs> and I was like, you know, I'm just mentally blocking on this. I'm psychologically blocking. I need this solved. I'm having a hard time working on other stuff because I, I mean, in any other project, because I'm just pissed because I want this solved. Now, like I'm just, they could just get <laughs> frustrated. And so I was like, and I was about to email um, one of our listeners or, you know, Alfie, who is really, he's very helpful, knows Linux stuff and he's emailed me us a few times with very in-depth explanations. And I was thinking, you know, it's too much to ask him to like, not only help me sort out with the DNS issue on this, on this VPS that I set up, it's a sent OS VPS, as well as I needed to get the SSL certificate installed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a whole nother. Remember you did that for Info, and you got your, the company 52 Linux guy and it was like two hours. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I, and so if I try to do it myself, I can kiss a day, day and a half goodbye. I'm going to yeah. be reading stuff. I'm going to be all over Definitely. Google groups and Wikipedia and trying to understand stuff. And I was like, this is just going to be stupid and I don't want to do it. And I said, but I can't, I can't really ask a favor of that magnitude. It's something you ask. It's one thing to email someone and ask them a couple questions. I think you need like, to any it. Exactly, but we don't have a Linux guru. And, and so what I did is, I was, all right, before I email Alfie, <laughs> and I was also going to say I offered to maybe pay him, but I said, like, you know, even then, it's, he probably doesn't want to do it. I'm sure he's busy. You know, he's got wife and kids. It's like I don't want to impose on anyone. So, all right. So I went to freelancer.com, mm-hmm. and I put in a bid. And I mean, I put in a project description and if you put $5, you add $5, they'll make it like, this is urgent, like I want it done now. And I got right out of the gate, like a handful of people who looked great. And I got this guy, named, uh, his name Nick, um, and he emailed me back right away and he's like this super Linux guru, managed tons of servers, everything. And it was just, it was a magic. You know what the whole thing cost me? Like 75, 80 bucks. He was on for three hours. And he, we were trying to sort all this stuff out. And he, we, we used TeamViewer and we used Skype. We were just chatting. We weren't talking. It was amazing. Rob, Rob Walling is listening right now. And he's going, he's going, oh, God, I told you. Well, I told you. Just outsource that shit. Well, you know, yeah, it's, that's true. But it's like, you know, I, a lot of times you think about like, when, especially when, you know, stuff Rob's talking about, it's like virtual assistants. Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, getting a Linux expert and you think, oh, that's going to cost me hundreds of dollars an hour. Or something, right? right? You think, no. oh, I guess it's going to cost me five. But I've, I've even told you that that, I, I, that I've had the same experience. Yeah. So, but you know, it's, it's, it's just like we've talked about all the time. Is one thing to like hear about it, read about it. Another thing to do it yourself and experience it to just know the truth of something. Yeah. You just do it, and you're like, I now I get it, right? It's not like, oh, I've heard that can kind of work, but you have yeah. complete confidence. I've, I'm I'm functionally I functionally understand it, and uh, you know, I paid it through PayPal. Like, like 80 bucks and he even set up an smtp server because he was telling me he's like you know he's like this mailgun stuff looks pretty cool but we could just do all we can do all of this stuff through your own web server your own mail server and i'm like but you know i've read a couple articles i remember there's a big article that jeff atwood wrote called so you want to send some email and then you know about all the things you have to get right otherwise stuff's gonna get caught in spam and then there's and then there was this um article written by the 37 signal guys about how they actually do it themselves and they have much better 
See, Rupert. this is what I've been trying to tell you about you, Anifu, right? You're saying we just want people who write books, right? We just want the top people. And this is what I'm saying. There should be a service. Maybe it's not Anifu, but yeah. there should be a service where it has guys like this. It doesn't have any of the $2 guys. It just has shit cool guys, but not like famous people, but just like really high quality people that you can just get in there and hire real quickly. Because the problem is, is that you're going through freelancer.com or Odesk or Relance. Guru, like yeah. you've, you've, this is a lucky shot right now. This was a lucky shot. Like it's difficult to get on a consistent basis that high, high of a quality really? person. Yeah, exactly. So there, there isn't, a, there isn't like a high, um, a high end version of this stuff that you're talking about right now. Yeah. So something in the middle. Yeah. So any foo, as we talk about is really like companies going to, and it's like, we yeah. need a final answer. Yeah. Our company needs a strategic direction. We're banking our, the way direction we're going to take our whole problem based on your advice. Right. But, but the problem is, is that you need pe- like, that's one kind of thing that you need. Like high, that's McKinsey 2.0, basically mm-hmm. your, your version of any is McKinsey 2.0. The version that I had always thought was not that it was basically, a really upscale version of Olance or Redesk, basically, yeah, so so that you could get these people to do stuff with you and really work on the hardcore problems, because that's the kind of thing that you need very often. But I I do I do like your version of Anyfu. I do yeah. like it. But I'm just kind of at least now it's yeah. good that you've seen this other experience. Yeah. So I mean, I'm going to use Nick. Yeah. For everything now. Yeah. Because because anytime I come to any kind of Linux. Uh, and admin stuff or any stuff because like you know I, I know enough about it like I get it I understand it but I don't remember the specifics and I don't want to spend the time relearning it every time I'm going to use Nick too um, yeah I can you pass know. me his, his details because yeah, that cause 25 I, bucks an hour because I'm looking for a good guy like that 20, as well yeah is it 20 or 25 bucks an hour I don't know Nick I'll send you, you like, I'll send his profile on Freelancer he was, yeah. was magic so I was just like I had been blocking that for a week I probably burnt 30 20 or 30 hours either working on it or trying to go back and forth or just not being functional because I'm, I'm distracted and frustrated by it. It's such an exponentially deep subject. It's, it's just as deep as programming. That whole yeah. sysadmin thing is deep. It is. So it's great to have a good guy like that. Yeah. And you know, he, so he was, he was just giving me advice. He's like, like, you know, when this thing gets a little bigger, you're probably not going to want to do um, the VPS. You're probably on a dedicated server and this and that. He had a lot. That's of interesting to hear. Yeah. And he does. He he also does ongoing monitoring, like monthly. If you have a service, like I'll monitor and scale and tune and keep passion and all stuff for like, I think, I'm not sure how much a month, but it's not that much. I like, would I love, would you know, you know, a show that I would love a texting show would be a, someone who has done cloud scaling. Like they really understand cloud scaling like elastic cloud scaling yeah and then someone who's made the opposite decision like 37 signals and said no it's all our own private network it's all our own boxes right i would love to have to have those two people duke it out and hear which way to go right what do you think yeah Can you uh, set it up? yeah you know that's that's fine i mean i'm yeah I think we should cool. we should probably get the the can we do you think we could get 37 signals guy on here no Probably no? not. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I, I, one thing I wanted to uh, uh, talk about, one last thing. We I, do have to wrap this up. I know, up. I know. These are too quick and then we'll run out the door, okay? okay. One, I'm just going to throw this out. There's a, on Teespring, there's a webshirt called WWRWD, What Would Rob Walling Do? On what? <laughs> <laughs> Sandy pointed because it was on Facebook. Cause she's, she's Facebook friends with Sherry and Rob. <laughs> what would Rob Walling do? WWRWD. WWRWD. What would Rob Walling do? And the, what? That's a meme? It's a meme? Yeah, like that's it. Like you just like, you're, anytime you're in a situation, like you're not sure, that, what would Rob Walling do here? 
<laughs> so so I'll, I'll put a link to it. So he they apparently need before they're going to make them, they need 50 and there's only 13. So hopefully the tech zing can help them out. Hope we can get some, um, you know, what do you mean make them like it's kind of like Kickstarter or, or something like you have to order. Like I'll order a T-shirt, and once you have at least an order of fifty, they'll they'll. Oh, make it's them. a T. So the T-shirt's going to say WWRWD. WWR dash dot 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 D or something like that. Oh, that's something cool. Something like that. That's cool. And it's 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 especially good because it's the kind of annoying, funky T-shirt that his wife doesn't like him to wear. Exactly, which he's gonna love. <laughs> Sherry's gonna hate. So uh, another thing I wanted to talk about real quick is like, in the past week, I've gotten six or seven in emails about high-frequency trading because of my article that I wrote like a year ago. Oh, it must have got a boost somewhere. I was, I, and every time they email me, I'm like, how did you come across this? And every single one of them said I just was browsing the web. I just searched on web. Like it didn't, it, your search came with search result. Huh. So but they were just looking for it right then. Because I was like, did it get po- reposted to some like popular trading forum or something? Or or did somebody who has a big trading blog say, hey, here's something nice, stumbled upon it. But no, it was all individual. I've gotten, so I've written back advice to two or three of them. Like, they're like, well, should I, I'm in this high frequency trading job and they want me to develop on it. Should I stick with it or should I go into web startups? A guy, kids in college, he's like, I want to become a high frequency, get in the world. What, how do I get a job? What do I need to do? Um, another one who's like, hey, I just want to find out like what kind of strategies did you do or what worked or what didn't. Um, I had a hedge, a guy who represented a group of wealthy indiv- investors who want to set up a high frequency trading firm and they wanted, he said, basically his title was like, you want another shot at the title? <laughs> <laughs> so hilarious. an offer to go and uh, start having a trading firm and then oh, uh, don't make jason any other offers yeah and then finally well this one was in the middle of the week i got it when i was up working at uber last week was um a uh a guy who's building a commercial trading platform and he's hiring me he wanted to hire me to give uh to to develop give him some ideas on sort of high-level strategic advice on certain things. So he called me up, and he was talking about how they get data feed, and they were talking about all these expensive data feed options. I'm like, dude, just use IQ feed. It costs you 100 bucks a month you know, for a prototype version or even like your version one. you know, It'll be perfect. It's easy to integrate in your developer because they have a developer shop like in Michigan. And I was yeah. like, you know, they can integrate with this stuff in like a day, you know, .NET, Java, Python, whatever. you know. And so he's like, yeah, I want to I wanna like hire you to work on it. He's like, I saw... He's like, I saw on your in your on your blog that your hundred dollars an hour would be half pay for time. I'm like, yeah, that's a little out of date. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm two hundred dollars an hour, and he's like, okay, great, I'll hire two hundred dollars. I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time. I, I'm looking at Amos because Amos said up and over sit next to me, and I'm like, I really meant like I don't have time to do this. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, but you're gonna look like a real douche if you don't if you say no now. And I'm like, oh, you need to just put it up to five hundred and and just and then no one will actually. Ask that's the you. I the, the I don't have time for your project price. Right. You know, because it was so funny. I mean, it's, 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 it's well, that's it's, what Michael Hartle did on the, on any food, but it still doesn't work. He put himself work. up to 300 and he still got the work. People go, yeah, I'll put 200. People are like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They're like, really? <laughs> yeah. That, that people will pay for what they want to pay for. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Um, and this is a small strategic, I said, I don't have any time for, for anything big, but, you know, I can give high, high level strategic advice. One last thing I wanted to say. Okay. I've had, as, and similarly, I've had in the last month, and I could go through some of the names, but I won't do it right here, but five different companies that want to pay me just for strategic direction. I like that. Not that doesn't take a lot project. of time. And I'm just like, because I, I keep saying, I don't have time. I don't have time for project work. I can't. And they're like, they're like well, is there any way you can? I'm like, uh, well, I could maybe do like a limit over hours just strategic stuff. Like I did a code review um, for a company, um, for a startup. 
I, I probably can't say their name. So I did a code review for their titanium stuff that they've done. And, uh, you know, it only took me a few hours and, you know, so I've given them maybe five hours. Was it, did you give many good pointers about it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been, I told them like one thing they would need to do because they had one development house doing the mobile stuff, another building the web and, and, uh, the mobile guys are talking about like, well, they don't know what the database scheme is. I was like, you got to first develop an API, develop an API. Even if you mock it out and you have fake data, then the, then both groups are going to be developing from the same type of date structured data. And then you can scale it and it doesn't have to be on one server. It can be on 10 servers. And it's just yeah. a wall. And I said, even if your, your development house that's been on the web stuff to give me pushback, which they, which they were, don't accept the pushback. Say no. APIs, it, like in, in, with modern architecture, APIs is just, it's just huge. Like you have to do that. And it's not that's that just hard. the best way and it's forward. It's not very hard. Yeah. It's very easy to just sketch it, out. It doesn't really change your change the amount of time it takes to develop stuff either. No, no. You know, but it's just it gives you an abstracted abstracted endpoints. Huge. I think it deal. clarifies yeah. it clarifies things. And you know, it's it's something you can't change. It's not written in stone, but it's like if you do change it, then then the data that the web app is using and the data that the mobile app is using are both going to be consistent. Yeah. Right. Like the mobile app is hitting the API, but then your web app is doing direct calls to the database. Right, right. Then they don't understand, well, why is we have this data look like this? It's like, oh, they're not even going through the same mm. channel. No wonder. And so anyway, I was just saying that it's like the sort of the hierarchy goes. It's like the lowest level, it's like task work, right? Mm -hmm. Just simple tasks. The next is project work. You know, like, you know, we give you enough time to make decisions and do a whole project for us. And at the highest level, which is the optimum, is like you just pay for strategic advice mm -hmm. or you just pay for wisdom. You're paying for judgment. McKinsey. Like, basically, exactly. you're, you're like McKinsey. You want to be, I mean, that's like the ultimate. You get the position where people pay you just for you to sit back and go, uh, I wouldn't do this, I would do this, blah, blah, blah. Because you get paid, you can pay a way higher rate in way less time. Why don't you just do that? Just put your rate up to 500. I'm, seri <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. Well, put your rate up to 500 and say that, you, that right now you don't do any coding work, you just do consulting. And if, if you want consulting, I can help you with the direction, 500 bucks an hour. Yeah, because I have a big commitment to Uber time-wise, so I just right. can't really commit to anything. So, But it's funny. It's like you just say no. no. But it's also, it's great. It's great. Like, that's a great way to work with people. Like, it's, it's an enjoyable experience because it's kind of like showing off and getting paid a shitload to show off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although it's a little more stressful because you got to make sure that what you're saying, you're... you're it's just like any foo experts would tell us. It's like going in, they're kind of stressed that they're not going to be able to add that kind of value. But then you do feel really good afterwards because you're like, wow, I just saved those guys like a month. They were going a completely wrong direction. Just by me explaining, telling us one startup, for instance, to do an API, I probably saved them thousands of hours of, of inefficient time. Just don't, that. like just, if you're consulting and you don't know something... Don't consult about it. <laughs> don't consult about it. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the thing too, is I like say, no, I don't know that. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't, you I'm not going to give say myself a situation. Yeah, like yeah. that's, that's not something I know a lot about. All right. So here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap this show up. You're going to say that's a wrap. Okay. And then I'm going to do the fade music. And I'm saying this for the listener's benefit. And then after the fade music, I'm going to splice in the first 30 minutes of episode 222. But I'm also going to swap out the sound file for episode 222. Okay. So any any listeners who are going up through the episodes, I don't know, in a year's time or whatever, they get to episode 222 and they will hear that natural episode. But you guys as well can hear that after this. So that's what's going to happen. Sounds great. All right. So I guess we, gotta, we have, we're supposed to meet Alex for lunch in Old Town in three minutes. So we're going to roll. All right. All right. That's a wrap. We're out.
It's a glorious Saturday morning, and I'm very happy to announce that I have accepted a position as CTO of a company called Digidoo. So I guess we should uh, tell the story then, huh? Go on. I think you've been itching to tell this story, so go on. Okay. Well, I'll tell it from my perspective, then All you right. can fill it out on the, sure. uh, the inside details. So I'm trying to think, how long ago was this? No, it was in the summer because I was. I remember I was at one of Colby's uh, baseball games, his summer baseball games, and I got a call from my buddy Phil Amon, who uh, he said that a friend of his had a startup, um, an educational startup, and that they had hired a uh, a really young, inexperienced guy to, to to build the site, and they had. I guess they had made some promises or commitments to some school or schools. Right. They were were going to roll out to the school. Right. And they had like a month or six weeks (laughs) till the deadline. Yeah. And I mean, so they brought this young, this young guy on and he wasn't even like a a trained developer or CS, uh, someone with a CS degree. I mean, he was an electrical engineer. Right. And was 22 or 23 or whatever. Yeah. Just, just had no, I mean, basically, in terms of hands-on web development experience, had, had not, Nothing. didn't have any. None. Right, he did. He did have like a year of C programming, but I don't think he was like hardcore focused. It was like a one, you know, yeah. like a site he knew what a loop and a conditional yeah. and a function yeah. was, but he didn't know about database schemas yeah. and you know just a million other things that are right. relevant. So Phil goes. So you know, this this friend of his, Matt, had asked Phil what he thought of if it would be possible. He's like, do, do you, you know, he said, Phil, do you think that we can get this thing done, you know, with this young guy in, in the six next four, months. Yeah. four, to, well, six weeks, four to six weeks? Yeah. Whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. It was a really yeah. short period of time. Yeah. And I said, well, what are you building? And he sort of described it. And I was like, there's no chance that that's going to happen. And he's like, really? Like a low chance? No, there is no chance in hell that that is going to happen. There's no way. Because it was basically a, tab- a, uh, a tablet app. Uh, and then a, a website, like a whole back-end website as well. Right. Yeah, there's just zero chance. Yeah. And I was like, well, the, your only shot is if you bring in somebody um, who's a ex- very experienced sort of full-stack developer or you outsource it to a, a design you know, consulting firm. Yeah. Right? And uh, I was like, yeah, but that's it. And he's like, oh, really? He's like, well, what do you, what do you, what do you suggest? And I said, well, uh, I don't have time to do it. <laughs> I got too much other stuff on my plate. I said, but uh, I said, you know, it turns out that uh, Justin had just mentioned to me that he was looking for some consulting work, right? Because I think Company Fifty Two was struggling, and uh, you weren't you weren't having as much you weren't getting as much income from there from yeah. them, and so you you had just called me like two days ago, and you're like, I need something like now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I said, I said, your only shot is Justin. <laughs> I said, Justin could do it. I said, if, if, if you bring Justin in and he works, you know, the 10 hour day thing, he could, he could crank this out in a month or six weeks, I'm sure. But you know, that's it. That's your only shot. Mm-hmm. And so I called you up. I remember sitting at the, outside the baseball field watching the game and I called you up and I sort of pitched you on it and you were a little confused at first. So they're like, what, what, six month weeks or, you know, what's going on? And, uh, so then, um, yeah. So I, I basically, you know, I guess I kind of, set up the deal and, and Phil, I guess, I don't, did you, did Phil call you? Did you talk to Phil specifically or did you go direct to Matt? Uh, yeah, no, I, I went direct to Matt. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was it. So I just kind of set it up on both ends. I basically explained that I thought it would be a good deal for you. Mm-hmm. They could make some decent money um, in the short term because you said you need to make money now. So they need a lot of work done quickly. So I figured you'd make some good money and you could get, you could, 
you would be able to deliver for them. I mean, otherwise their thing was going to be a big face plant. And uh, so then you came on, and I'll hand the story over to you in just a minute. Because sure. This is where you can. So then you came on, and the way it worked out is you sort of served as a mentor and a teacher to Corbin. So Corbin would, the idea being that Corbin would do a lot of the development, but then he would work with you on the phone a couple hours a day and you would say, okay, here is how we need to structure this. These are the pieces we built. This is how you build this piece. Here's some guidelines on how to build it. Why don't you go build this piece? Come back to me tomorrow and we'll work on it together and go over it. And then from as far as I knew, you guys did that for, I don't know how long, uh, six weeks or something. And you were talking, so why don't you take it over from there? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Corbin's a very clever guy, but, um, you know, it doesn't matter how clever you are. If you don't have any experience in something, you don't have any experience. And there's a lag time and, you know, a learning time to, to learn something. So that was it. So, yeah, so I came in as, as the mentor um, and that, that worked pretty well. But um, the major pieces of functionality that ended up being built were when we were screen sharing. And I guess I was kind of driving most of the time during right. those screen sharing sessions. You were driving and so you were building and explaining. Building and explaining. And it was, that was quite difficult for me because it's difficult to be building stuff and also explaining why you're doing stuff at the same well, time. It's, ex- it's exasperating because if you have somebody who's trying to learn and aggressive about learning it, they're going to be stopping you after every couple sentences and be, why? Well, why are you doing this? Or why are you doing that? And you're con- so you, instead of you just making progress, like we got like a month or six weeks to get this thing done, you have to go off into a 20 or 30 minute explanation about what rest is. Right. Or what, uh, you know, what a column type is in a database scheme or what is a has many relationship or what is Ajax or what is a form posting. Ga- I mean, you know, you just go over and over and, and it's just from, I remember having a conversation with you. It's like, it was just exhausting because you were doing two jobs at once. You were teaching, mentoring and trying to build this thing. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, as I said, uh, you know, no, it's no reflection on Corbin. It's just, yeah. it's just basically if someone hasn't done something then you do have to explain something and but being so smart and uh studious as he was he really wanted to know what you know the reason for everything so that's great so um the long and the short of it is is uh, we got it built well how long did it take I, I i do seem to remember it took about six weeks um of pretty hardcore focus we got it built and um it was placed in the classroom and the teachers have been using it ever since well actually what happened was we first of all built it in uh got it built in jquery mobile mm-hmm and we had to do, remember I was bitching about all the hacks that I had to do to jQuery Mobile to make it happen. Right. So I got it built in jQuery Mobile and then it was being used by the teachers, mm-hmm. well, one teacher in the school. So then a turn of events happened. Corbin decided he wasn't interested in the company. He just didn't enjoy being part of the company. Yeah. So he resigned. So then he resigned and that, that kind of left everything on my shoulders from a consultant, from a consultant point of view. So then I continued working with Matt, but I said, look, Matt, do you mind if I just refactor this whole thing into, into double dollar or Jefferson right. as it's now called? I think I like double dollar better to be honest. <laughs> I think I like double dollar better. I think you're well. back to double dollar. Yeah. Double dollar. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I reworked that thing into double dollar. I mean, and I, I, I refactored the whole thing in two days, like that whole month's worth of work. I just refactored in two days, put it into double dollar and then, the teacher said to Matt, this is like a different, this is incredible. This is so much better. And I also just did the design so that um, the, the jQuery mobile basic skinning is all very skeuomorphic, kind of curvy like that. Yeah. But the Android uh, tablet that we're using it on is very, very black. So I just use a very black design and, and the whole app feels totally integrated into the tablet. Right. And I showed you that yeah. version and you were like, you were like, is this you? 
did you do this or is this Android? And I was like, no, no, that's me. Yeah, and I was really, really good. I, I was impressed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, so so then it it just kind of evolved. The relationship evolved between myself and Digidoo because uh, I guess Corbin wasn't there. And so then they, you know, Matt started to ask me, are you, you know, would you be interested in being CTO? And well, I mean, well, okay, okay, you're jumping ahead. Okay, go on. There's a few miracle functions. In All right, there, go or at least some, uh, some story points that need to be brought up um, or hit upon. So during this time, though, you were working four hours a day at Idea Lab. Yeah, with Uber Media. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the and the work with Digidu was just part time thing. You would spend a few hours a day or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. And there was no. It wasn't like immediately launched into like, oh, we want you to be full time, or you were hardcore negotiating. It was just this kind of nebulous relationship where you're consulting. They're they're obviously dependent on you. It's all good. Mm-hmm. You're having fun. It's it's cool. But you're just. But you were really focused on Idea Lab because of the. From my perspective, it seemed like we were focused on the opportunities at Idea Lab because of Bill Gross, because of what Idea Lab represents, the opportunities there, the possible opportunities with Plugio, right? Right. Well, yeah. So I had been trying to uh, get some get Bill Gross or one of the other people in Idea Lab to look at Plugio because to me it seemed like uh, and seems like a very natural fit for those guys mm-hmm. uh, because obviously it's a it's a Twitter uh, social media management tool and they have a lot of Twitter apps and they have many millions of Twitter users. But um, I'd never quite managed to get into conversation or discussion with Bill Gross and create any kind of connection. Um, but he did send around an email. Uh, when was this? Maybe like a month and a half ago. Yeah. And basically, he just finished off the email by saying, and if any of you have any ideas for generating extra revenue, please let me know. So I wrote an email back to him and said, well, you know, I have this app called Plugio and I still haven't really spoken to him face to face have this app called Plugio, and I think that it could do really well. And here's my idea for how you could kind of integrate it with, with what Uber Media is doing and how it could make some good cash for you. So that went into his inbox and just kind of sat there, and he never really replied. This may have been even two months ago. But then one day he was walking around the floor. He came out, and his Android phone just wasn't working. And he said, does anyone know Android? Does anyone know Android? And ironically, because of the work I've been doing with Digidoo, mm-hmm. I had been developing this mobile app for Android. I did know Android. So he was like, look around and no one else knew. So I said, oh, okay, I know. I'll help you. So he's like, oh, well, look, this this app is stuck. What do I do? And I'm like, okay, you go into settings, you go into apps, you turn it off, restart. And so that made him kind of notice me. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> so then he went back to his office and like half an hour later, he he, he basically uh, called me in uh, and himself and uh, Gladys, the, 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 general, the general manager at Uber Media. And so I thought, oh, I'm going into... To, to help out with the Android phone again. But actually, I walked into the office and Plugio was on the screen. So now they uh-huh. want to talk about Plugio. So obviously, because I was helpful regarding the um, the Android app, he noticed me and then he reread my email. Well, that's that's <laughs> sort of a, a basic principle on the web, which is, you know, in terms of like marketing or whatever, it's like you, you generally make yourself helpful to the rest of the world. Right. Right? Whether you write blog posts or articles or tutorials or courses. I mean... You, if you do it in a sort of a cynical way that I'm doing something really with this set goal of getting people to come to a website, it usually doesn't work so well because it becomes too transparent. But if you're just like, I'm just going to just help people because I like helping people, it comes, it, it, it puts you in front of mind for them, right. right? You just become front of mind for a lot of people. Yeah. That's a net effect. 
And you don't even have to really work to try it. It's just that's what happens. And that was a perfect example. You became front of mind for him. He's like, who is this Justin guy? I've seen him sit over the couple months. And he probably did a reason. He probably did email search. Right. Vince, Justin Vincent. And then he read that email you wrote. And he's like, huh. And he probably brought it up. And he's like, Gladys, come here. What is this? And who is this guy? <laughs> you know, that's probably had happened or something close to yeah. it, I would guess. Well, let me ask you one question before you go on. Glad you said she's a general manager of Uber Media, but isn't she like a CTO? Of, she's a CTO of uh, Uber Media, yeah. I thought she was some kind of, of she had a position with Idea Lab generally. No, she she did have a she used to work for Idea Lab, but now she has a position at Uber Media. She's CTO of Uber Media. Okay, and let me do one other sidebar here on uh, Uber and Idea Lab. So for people who don't know, Idea Lab is a incubator, startup incubator in Pasadena, in old Pasadena, and. They incubated all kinds of things. They incubated GoTo, which became Overture, which ultimately was sold to Google, which became their paid search. 1.6 billion it was sold for. Yeah. City Search and uh, I, remember, I don't know which one it was. It was eToys. I mean, there's a million, like all these big... Picasa. Picasa. I mean, there's a bunch of them. Like mm-hmm. we'd have to go down a list. A lot of companies people have heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, so their track record of companies that have been big time successful are probably comparable to... Maybe not quite at Y Combinator's level, but it's pretty close. Yep. And a lot of it's just come straight out of Bill Gross's head. It's not just, it's not an accelerator that you have a bunch of, um, you have some moneyed interests, or they're, they're VCs or, or whatever, who, or individuals who put money into a bunch of young startups, take a small stake, and then have like, uh, you know, mentors available to talk, right? Which well, is what you see at like, it, Dream Adventures and uh, what's the tech stars in Y Combinator? Yeah, because right? I, I think that, I mean, even people haven't thought about that yet. Bill Gross was doing that since 98, Yeah, I think, you know, so he's like pretty much one of the first incubators. Yeah, and but his, but most of the things came out of his head. Not yeah. all of them, but most of the ideas were Bill Gross ideas. Yeah. And he would hire a team. And I remember an article back in the late 90s in Harvard Business Review about how he thought about things and how he, he would still give the majority of the equity to the uh, the people running the company, yeah, he would have a, lot, a substantial stake, but they would provide. They would have their offices in Idea Lab. Well, so he because in Idea Lab you have a legal department, you have an HR department, you have a marketing department, and they serve all of the companies. So the companies stay within Idea Lab, and then the the genesis, and then the the I don't know what the next word is, where they're just kind of growing the gestation. Let's say mm-hmm. the gestation of the company, which sounds maybe a bit. I like that. Gross, good. Right? No, yeah, gestation. Good. Right. And then once the company's ready to launch, it's launched and then it gets its own legal department. It's own, it's it's own HR department. Yeah. Once it's birthed. Right. <laughs> Continue with that. Right. So then, and then it moves into its own offices and, but the, once it gets big enough, so they can grow quite big, you know, they can grow to like 20 to 30 to 40 people inside of media and then, okay, you're too big. Now you're out. But they share, at least back in the day when they Sorry, were launching, Idea Lab. yeah, yeah, and at least in a, at least in late '90s, early 2000s, they would share a lot of resources, like design resources. It wasn't just HR and legal, like the boring infrastructure stuff. It was, you know, they would, you know, like design, like we have designers on staff, right, right. Like you yeah. don't have to go and find exactly, designers. Yeah. Yeah. And so you you really have the people. You probably just have the people writing the code, and then the operational people who are building or who are trying to. You basically know, executing the idea executing the idea anyway so that's what idea lab is so that was it's a kind of a famed place bill gross is this you know really interesting important guy and you're and so you're you're really excited about what might come well it was awesome talking there. to talking to to bill uh, about plugio and what was great was that they genuinely were interested um and still are i'm you know negotiations are still ongoing about that um 
but basically there is interest. So, and also they became aware, you know, that like Bill became aware that I was a contractor and um, Bill and Gladys kind of pushed for me to just come on board full time. Right. So moving on board full time that I needed, I basically needed to talk. I was going to probably go with that right idea, but then I, but then, okay, go on, you take over. <laughs> but then, well, you were kind of negotiating with them or you were talking to them and I said, listen, well, here's the thing. I mean, A, you need to be open with Matt about what's going on because you don't want to surprise him with this because they totally depend on you, which it wasn't like you weren't going to do that, I don't think. But I mean, it was just, but I said also, to maximize your opportunity here, you want at least two people sort of vying for you, right? So if it's just, Uber me if, if if Bill Gross is thinking oh it's just us or he's or nothing Justin is going to take the deal we're giving him if that if that deal is short of what you want what you're going to want to do is have some leverage and the best way to do that is to talk is talk to the people who might be interested in hiring you or offering you a deal and I and I, you were not it was funny at the time you were not taking did you do that seriously it was sort of from your perspective again just my uh, my um, interpretation was that it was a consulting gig. It was a small company out of Chicago. You weren't even really clear on where the money was coming from, how much funding was ultimately going to be available. Um, and I was like, you know, <laughs> what I would do is I would talk to Matt, tell him what you're really looking for, just generally. And, and I think you did do that. And then I said, you know, and then another thing I do is I would pause things, try and put things on pause through the holidays with Bill Gross an idea lab and get your butt up to Chicago and meet Matt personally and meet whoever the f- is funding it and just and have them meet you and really figure out what the, what the story is. Cause I, and I, from my perspective, did you do had a lot of potential. I was always like, when, when you showed me that first time you showed me that the thing you built, I, and, and you explained the market, I was pretty excited. Yeah, you're right. And uh, <clears throat> you're right about certain things, but um, just about the same time as this, Matt made a sale. A did you do sale? Right. And that substantial sale. Yeah. I don't want to go into the details of that, but I'm just going to say he made a sale and that kind of made me double take. Oh, maybe this, this is interesting. You know, yeah, but let's say the sale, let's think enterprise software sale. This isn't sale to an individual for 50 bucks. Right. Like this is substantial sale that makes you go, okay, wow. If, if a school is willing to pay that kind of money for this kind of system, it doesn't take many schools for this thing to be a very legitimate yeah company not like it's going to happen overnight i mean it's not it's this is like a three-year effort kind of thing and we're still you know it's still proving ground but anyway it just it gave me an extra bit of spark to really knuckle down and focus in on that company and to look to uh, so you said you said that to me and that sale happened and it just made me focus and think to rethink this i was just gonna go for the uber media thing so anyway so then i went well well, because i mean without the sale i mean you 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 really couldn't compare did you do to idea lab one-to-one no because no because it's it was barely an idea It, it was barely an idea so when something this is the power of making a sale right so when something is an idea it's just an idea and then you execute it and then some people are trying it it's still not really anything yet but if you've actually made a sale that's that's yeah validate, so uh, yeah i mean that, yeah exactly so i i think it was right at that time to 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 be more serious about idea lab i mean you know if you yeah. got in with bill gross and you guys did some good stuff together there'd be all kind of opportunities could spring from that so you know okay so um 
once again, I don't want to say the names of the ultimate backers of Digidoo, but anyway, I looked into it and saw that it was some ser- serious players. Um, and then you bugged me about going to meet them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drive you there if I have to get your butt to, to Chicago. It's not like now. I didn't have the idea, but you, you kind of. You, like you call yourself uh what do you call yourself an adjuvant like an agitator, agitator. like you, you bug the the shit out of me to do something right <laughs> make me do it faster than i even want to do it myself anyway so, <laughs> but it's fine it's fine like i mean i had that idea in mind but i just i i was more prompt about it yeah so i went up to see them um as we spoke about in the last few shows when i met that interesting influential person and uh, showed them my resume anyway so everything went well on that trip and um they offered me a deal that I really liked. And, uh, in fact, I like that deal. Can I have that deal? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a really good deal. Uh, so, uh, you know, now yeah. I'm going to be CTO of this company. And it's great because we're, I'm working with Udi on it. So that's the first team. Udi's a contractor. He's a contractor, yeah. You're bringing Udi along. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, well, things that I really like about it. I mean, I Matt came across to me as a very easy person to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody is. He seemed kind of hands-off, kind of trusting, relaxed, but also someone to get stuff done and also pretty bright. And so it's a good combination. The second thing is, with Digitu, as opposed to working with Idea Lab or Uber Media, you could really create whatever kind of company you want, at least from a technical standpoint. You know, you can hire the people you want, you can work where you want, you can work when you want, you can set up, you can set up the development workflow, the tools, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a big deal. Mm. Um, and of course you get a, you know, I mean, obviously we don't have to get in numbers here and probably shouldn't, but I mean, you got really good upfront compensation and you got a substantial upside as well. You get mm-hmm. both, you get both bases checked, both boxes checked, right? Or both bases covered. So, which is important. It's important to get good upfront compensation because if this is going to be a two year, three year thing and you're not compensated very well and you always have other opportunities dangling in front of you, you're, you're, you're going to be continually tempted to bail and do something else, especially if I have a wife who's who's financially uncomfortable. Like we're not making enough money and we can't pay for this, and you know I don't know when this thing is going to pay off. Maybe you should do this other thing. No, it, it's a, exactly the right strategy that they've taken. So it makes me excited about focusing on one thing for the next two or three years. Yeah, it's like you're not you're not going to get rich. You're not going to be fat and happy. You know, especially given the goals you've stated, what, how much money you want to make in the next five years or whatever. But, uh, you know, it's, it's enough to be solid and comfortable. Georgie would be happy. And, but then you got the upside. You got real upside. There's a possibility. Yeah, exactly. If we can execute really well. And, um, I mean, but also the other thing is, and this, this also had a huge, um, impact on my, my decision. And I'm sure that Matt did this on purpose. When I went to Chicago, he took me into the school to see the kids using the software. Mm, mm. And, uh, you know, that's just like heart melting, right? You just saw the effect, <laughs> like the impact. Yeah. Well, you, you know, it was, it was working for them. And um, so just because you know me, I mean, I left school at 16. I, like education, I really didn't enjoy it, right? I really mm. didn't enjoy school. I didn't feel there was only like one teacher who engaged me. But the way, the way that the software is being built and the way that the whole thing's been put together, I could see these kids were engaged. And I was thinking, wow, if I was a kid and this was the kind of lessons I was having, I would, I would have actually liked school, but I hated it. So 
Keep going, yeah. And you're thinking all the things you could do to make it way better. Right. Sure. You're right. like, oh, you think this is good, kid? Yeah. Wait till you see what I'm going to have for you in three months. Right. So, <laughs> so the idea of edu- like, it's funny, you've been working on Catalyst. And now I'm working on an educational product as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I, for some reason, education is coming into our sphere and into our life. So what I, what I subsequently found out I really love about this startup is the human aspect of it. Like, that's what I really love. So, you know, Plugio and Twitter, it's kind of interesting, but it's not really changing the world in the way that this might do. And I don't, I'm not saying it's going to, but it, it might do. And that's a big hope for me. Well, I- as you mentioned, the the funder of Digidoo talked about the things he really cares about and like some invest, the things that he wants to invest in because they're inexhaustible markets and because there's huge need for them and it's education, health, and energy. Because he wants to make a difference, right? Yeah, I'll make a difference in the world. I mean, yeah. he's he's done well financially, obviously to back things. I mean, he's financially yeah. okay, so yeah. he's like he's he's comfortable. So now it's like, okay, now how do I impact, make the world a better place? Right. You know. So you know, the whole thing wraps up to uh, the. As is being spoken at this moment, the legal documents haven't been signed. So this show, on this segment of the show, will only get released once those legal documents are signed. It should be signed Monday. It's Saturday morning. It should be signed Monday. We'll release the show on Tuesday. Right. Hopefully it'll be all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm really excited for you. I think this was the right decision. I think this is just the right kind of opportunity for you. I think you have the right mix of... Um, of upside and compensation to make you happy. I think you have the right kind of control over the technology. I think it's a really meaningful problem that that uh, is going to make you excited to solve. I think it's a very interesting, deep has a, has a very deep set of interesting ch- technical challenges that's going to keep you engaged for a long time. And you can build uh, your own team how you want. I mean, I know you've talked about how you love to manage techies and you love to work with groups of people and collaborate and stuff. And I think if things go well, it could easily be the kind of thing that you can set up an office here in Pasadena and you can hire, uh, you know, a crew of guys or girls or whoever yeah, people you awesome. really like. Yeah. I mean, I think within a couple of years, you could, uh, you could have the exact environment. You could create the exact world that you want to live in. So that leaves Plugio and Anyfoo. So, uh, so <laughs> Let's I have, talk Plugio first. Yeah. So I have a plan for both of those. So I was thinking, right, what do I do with Plugio? Once I really focus full time, because also the luxury of focusing full time on something like I've really been feeling the pressure of doing four hours Uber Media and four hours Digidoo and like a couple of hours Plugio. That has been like you are great at that multitasking, doing all those different projects. For me, it, it just wrecks my head. So I was really glad to, to get into this position now where I'll be focusing on one thing. Yeah. OK, but with Plugio, what I'm thinking I'm going to do is it's currently bringing in just shy of 50,000 a year. Right. So it's doing pretty good in its own right. Um I'm either just going to, there's two options. I'm either going to sell it to Uber Media outright. Mm-hmm. And I think that's highly unlikely to happen because they would want, they would want the builder to go in with it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they think it's interesting enough as just a, a revenue play. So although that's one possibility, it's unlikely to happen. Then the second thing that I'll do is I will just literally, it will just be my hobby. So I'm going to keep on going, keep on tinkering with it, but I'm going to put as minimum possible uh, time as possible into it. Well, you have somebody working on it. Well, I was just about to say. I was okay. just about to say. So what I'm, what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try uh, some of Rob Walling's techniques to outsource the support because that takes me about 15 minutes to half an hour a day, the support, right? Yeah, a virtual I, assistant for that. Yeah, if I can find a good VA for that, then that's taken care of. So then the second thing is I'm working with Corey from The Birdie, Corey Mass from The Birdie, you know. Uh, Corey Mass, yeah. Yeah, Corey Mass, remember? Yeah. Well, it was after our, our interview with 
uh, or a show, I don't know if it's an interview, it's a show we had with Rob, and he was talking about, um, you know, giving us an update on Hittail and talking about Drip. And he was telling us about this great uh, young um, developer entrepreneur who had done his own little startup, hadn't hadn't succeeded with it, as most startups don't, especially most bootstrap startups, but was really bright, had won two of these hackathons that uh, in, up in Fresno where, um, I think it was Fresno where uh, Rob had been a judge. And uh, so Rob ex- extended an offer to him and said, hey, you know, what about working with me? I can't pay you a lot of money, but I can pay enough and you can learn a lot. And part of that, in that conversation, one thing, observation I made is like, I think that's a generally really good strategy is finding sort of people who've struggled with launching their own bootstrap startup. So they've learned a lot already. They've also learned around us. Yeah. They're, they're full stack entrepreneurs, but they're struggling and now they're looking for a safe Harbor. They, they need a safe harbor in the sense that they need, they need a, a, some revenue they can, um, they can count on. And, but they're not necessarily ready to take a full-time job because they still kind of want to do their own thing to some degree. And so that we had that conversation. And then um, that, we made that observation. We talked about that a little bit as being a strategy. And you spoke to Corey then. You had a conversation with him. Yeah. Corey emailed me over the, Chris, over the holidays. I think it was like Christmas Day even. I talked to him the day after Christmas or something. And I... He said something along the lines of how I think he just sent an email and said, "Hey guys, I'm looking for some consulting work or something." You know, yeah. already struggling a little bit, um, and he had run through some of his savings and was looking to you know pick up a little work. And uh, so, and I said, well, "Hey, what about?" And I started throwing some ideas about the possibility of, of taking the same role that the Rob Wallings yeah. guy did, and uh, with one of the projects that my secret project, you know. And I said, but. Also, I said, you know, maybe with Justin, too, I said, I, you know, my thing might be a couple months or a few months before it gets enough traction before I could really feel good about investing that kind of money into it. But I said, you know, maybe talk to Justin, too, about uh, about Pluggy or whatever. And it was right around that time that we had the conversation. I said, you know, you should talk to Corey. Yeah. So um, what I'm going to be working on Corey with is inbound marketing for Pluggy, creating some inbound marketing content, some eBooks, some videos, some courses. And it's good. You know, we're, we're kind of brainstorming the different type of content. And basically, the content we're going to create is just stuff to teach you how to use Twitter for business, things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been working on it. And already, he's bring, you know, he's bringing value. I can see that he's he's thinking in ways that I wouldn't necessarily have thought. Like, for example, one of the things that I wanted to do was just mention Plugio. And he made the observation that sincere inbound marketing mentions everyone. You just kind of highlight your product. You don't you don't. Otherwise, it just looks like a sales right, sales exactly. Letter. And it's, it's, and, it's yeah, and it's a good point, you know. And and so I probably would have created all this material that just had mentioned Plugio, and it wouldn't have looked that great. Whereas, uh, you know, because of Corey's input and insight, it's going to be just general good training material for anyone. And it's just going to say, look, you know, highlight Plugio rather than totally focus on it. Mm-hmm. So that's good. So I think that's uh, I think that's a good good strategy, and it's also great to speak to someone. You know, he like he understands like conversions. He understands marketing. He, he's built the birdie because he's built that thing. He understands so many aspects of what you need to understand to do something like this. It was from a technical and a marketing. Technical, side. marketing and business. And it's actually a breath of fresh air to work with someone who you're saying something. And before you finish saying it, like he's finishing your sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we need to do that. He's like, dude, I've listened like 200 yeah. of your podcasts. Right. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yes, that was in episode 187. I, yeah, I know. So that that worked, that's that's could potentially be pretty good. So, you know, I'm just going to keep Plugio as this little side 
experiment and I'm going to try some of these other techniques and just see what happens. Um, but my main focus is going to be on Digidoo. Well, I think it's a really good idea. I'm happy both for you and for Corey. Okay. It's cool that you guys work together. It's cool that Corey was able to get something pretty quickly that he'll find interesting that he can help you, but then he'll also learn stuff by helping you that he might have to funnel back into the birdie. I think it's just a general good uh, strategy. And also it keeps things real simple. I mean, you're just paying him, right? You right, don't have to make right. things really complicated. And because uh, I think one thing you asked me is like, so how do we work this out? And what do? And I'm like, dude, just he's looking for a check, right? He's got yeah. the birdie. He just needs to pay the bills. Like yeah. he needs to stop the bleeding, you know? And we've all been there. We've all been in situations where we had a couple contracts or and, and one or two ran out and then, we're, and then you're like, I need something. Just like you were for Digidoo. 